This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. Except, not this week! Uh, For our 50th episode, we are doing something brand new, something we've been talking about for a while and have finally found a time to do it. This is going to be our first blind watch, meaning none of the three of us have seen the movie we've watched this month before. And boy howdy, we've picked an interesting one. For the month of October, we chose An American Werewolf in London as our pick. Uh, So, we're going to start off with not a 60-second synopsis, given that this is uh, an interesting one, and I didn't prepare one. And so I'm going to say, since this is a blind watch, I'm going to go into the 60-second synopsis blind as well. I do have a timer ready. All right, let's see how bad I do. (laughs) Give me a countdown and I'll give it a shot. Three, two, one, go. Two American backpackers from New York City, David Kessler, a boring white guy, and Jack Goodman, a far more interesting white guy, are traveling through the moors of England uh, in search of adventure. They come upon a pub called The Slaughtered Lamb, uh, where they meet a bunch of townsfolk that are spooked out because it's a full moon outside. Uh, They get kind of... uh, spooked out by these people themselves and decide to leave, not heeding their warnings to stick to the road and beware the moon. That night on the moors, they are attacked by an animal, uh, and you think David's gonna die, you really hope he's going to, and then turns out, no, they actually (laughs) kill Jack, the more interesting male. Uh, So, David does get scratched by the wolf, however, and wakes up three weeks later in a hostel. A hostel? Nope. (laughs) Hospital. Um, Where, oh, we're out of time. (laughs) Uh, uh, Where he meets the Florence Nightingale of the movie named Alex Price, a young woman he falls in love with and then goes to bed with as soon as leaving the hospital. Uh, You know, it's a werewolf film. Full Moon comes out, he turns into a wolf, he kills some people. The one interesting thing is that his friend comes back as a ghost and say, hey, you should maybe kill yourself. The one interesting thing? uh, (laughs) And then he doesn't. Um, (laughs) uh, Eventually they end up at a porno theater with a bunch of other ghosts that he's murdered. uh, And then police shoot the wolf movie over and very weird credits, which we will get to. But that's essentially Mm -hmm. the movie. It's a werewolf film. Okay, before we start this whole thing, I have to ask. Yeah. What was with your list? What? What list? Your list in general for us to pick a movie for the blind watch. Okay, okay. So, my list, because how do you list all the movies you haven't seen? How do you do that, Sarah? Tell me, what movies, What? give me 50 movies you haven't seen right now. You can't. And so, what Shane. I did... Is I went to IMDb but or a similar site. I thought a, you were hold on. Do more hold movies on. in the vein of what we normally watch. You went. This was like 
I, he was purposely coming up with things for Halloween themes because it was there, October. The end of the list no, was no, no. the top 100 horror films, and I yeah, chose ones that I list. had heard of but had not seen. The because, others were the top, like, 100 movies. Yeah, there were ones I 100% vetoed because we're never talking about them on this podcast. That's fine. <laughs> I wanted to choose a movie that sounded familiar, but most people haven't watched. And so an easy way to find titles that were at least popular was to go to the AFI or IMDb Top 100 Movies and see which of those I hadn't seen. So that's where the list came from. With the top like 50 most depressing movies ever. Yeah, it turns out top movies are usually depressing because they're trying to win an Oscar for how sad they are. You know what is interesting to me about this list is how many of the classic ones you have not seen. I, well, I got into movies when I was in high school and in college and I was watching, even as a kid, I was watching the kids or the movies of the 80s and 90s. So I never got around to taking a film class where I would have seen the classic films. Uh, I had an appreciation of the popular movies of my day. So I have an appreciation for where the film evolved from, but like I haven't gone back and watched these classic films because films have gotten better since then. Well, <laughs> some of them. <laughs> I mean, I Kung Fu say, Kangaroos came out after right, some of these. Hold on. So. I'm not saying all films of the 80s and 90s were better than any film made in the <laughs> 50s. I'm saying that there is a certain pattern that they developed during that time for what a film looks like or how you tell a story with visual storytelling that they were still trying to figure out in the 50s. And some of that stuff doesn't work, even though some of the movies made during that era, uh, era some people had figured stuff out. Anywho, people that's where the, the list greatest movie ever came made from. Is- Citizen Kane, and that mm. I like Citizen Kane. I I haven't seen it. Oh, that's why you what don't you, understand the slow clap. I. What do you mean I don't understand a not, slow clap? Not the slow clap in general. The Citizen Saint um, Kane slow clap. All right. Of the man so, standing before, up and this month clapping. we were doing an American Werewolf in yes, London <laughs> for October. We're doing an American anyway, Werewolf in London. The point was this was the one on the list that I didn't have issues with because. I was okay about talking about this one. Yeah. Uh, Well, Sarah, I want to point out, per the list, I've never seen these films. I didn't know which were going to be troubling because I don't know what troubling scenes exist in these films. You didn't know the taxi driver was going to be troubling. What? It's that's a classic film that I would want to see. Isn't that the one where? uh, Are you talking to me? Yes. Yeah. I was going to say that movie Sounds where Robert great. De Niro beats people up, but that's every Robert De Niro movie ever. That's true, until he got old. Anyway, let's go into long form, where we normally talk about the things we saw as adults that we didn't notice as children, but that's everything for this one, except, for all three of us. Except for one scene, which I had seen before, but that really? doesn't really count, because I sure. saw it in a top 100 horror movie countdown. Ah, all right. Which is, I had so, seen parts of the transformation scene you know, and, and, like, clips from I thought I had seen that before, too, while I was watching it. So it may have been just, like you said, one of those clip shows. And, that, and, or, or, like, things I watch a lot of stuff about special effects and um, movies. And so, so I've seen stuff from that. I have 
a lot of problems with this movie. The one thing I can give it <gasps> top marks for, however, are the special effects. You have a- they are amazing. Oh, in we're going to argue again, aren't you? Probably. I love this but movie. The Ugh. transformation. Well, Carl scene, and I will be on the same page at least. Oh, Absolutely. No. Uh, while it is not the most horrifying transformation into a werewolf I I've ever seen. I thought it was disgusting. It was oh, no, no, no. no I'm, yeah. saying, I'm saying it's not the most horrible. It is up there, however. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted because all of a sudden Mark's camera moved to his crotch. Yeah, Mark, what are you, what are you trying to insinuate? <laughs> I, what's the message you're trying to get across I with this love... visual storytelling you I have going I was telling on? the story of this movie and how everyone <laughs> the, in it is naked the most of the time. The practical effects in this that are one of the things that holds up the best, and I love the oh, music they're fantastic. in this scene. I, so, I, okay, they were good effects, I will say, but th- th- there were parts of them that I did not think held up very well. See, I I agree. Like, the like creature some itself, of... when you actually finally yes. see it, is kind of like, meh. <laughs> like, I, will, I will argue against that in a way that's really weird, because I would say in the later scenes when he's destroying the town, oh, he looks a little goofy when they show it for too long. Yes. But then I remembered, there are werewolf movies from just a couple of years ago where werewolves still look really goofy, and I think it's not that the stuff has aged badly, I think it's just people don't know how to make a werewolf. Because they still look goofy. That's fair. Uh, Though, I think... uh, I can't believe I'm going to talk about this, but the Twilight films have figured out werewolves. No, they're just wolves. I have not seen those, so I wouldn't know. They're not werewolves, they're just wolves. What's the difference? They're big wolves. No, they're not. Aren't they people, though, too? So that makes them a werewolf. Sure, but like a traditional werewolf... A traditional werewolf, when in wolf form, doesn't look like Teen Wolf. It, it they look like on a wolf. The mythos. Uh, we like should watch vampires. that movie. There's sometimes. different mythos depending on what movie. And so in this one, it's more of a creature, right? As opposed to a true wolf. And so it's not supposed to just look like a CGI wolf, right? So I really like the transformation scene because of how much they were able to show in terms of him, like his body expanding to get in the new form of the wolf, to see all the hair being formed out of his body to make his pelt, uh, to the you claws see his on his face hands. change shape. Yes. Oh, God, where his, his mouth and jaw move outwards to make a wolf face and his ears move backwards. Like, and during this entire scene... He is yelling for help and howling, like, in in mortal pain. And I get that. This transformation that, they show, that they're showing here would be extremely painful. And if I remember correctly, the, the special effects guy who did this also did the howling. Mm-hmm. He did lots of werewolf stuff. I was but, looking at him. But these but- don't look the same. They're, they're two very different transformations, which is... Which is interesting for them to, like, you're doing two werewolf movies around the same time, but you have to make two completely different mechanics for it. Yeah, and in fact, this movie, um, as bad as I thought it was, did win the the Academy Award for special effects, which I think it rightfully deserves. Didn't it? It was the first year of it, right? Yeah, that's what I I saw. I didn't know that, but sure. (laughs) Um... The other thing is for special effects that I really liked, and the mythos, they, they add a bit of mythos to the, the werewolf story, because his friend Jack, was it Jack or is he Jack? No, he's no. David. 
Okay. He's David. He's friend David. is Jack. Fr- his friend is Jack, uh, who was killed by the werewolf on the moors at the beginning of the movie, comes back as a ghost. Uh, the, the mythos that they add is anyone killed by a werewolf has to walk the earth as a undead. as a spirit, as an undead spirit, uh, until the line of werewolves is dead. Uh, and so the friend comes back, and the thing that I really like is that we see him slowly decompose as the days go on. So he's not in his perfect human body before he was dead. He's also not in the state of slashed-up body when the wolf killed him. He's what his body is in the ground is how he comes back as a ghost. Although it was really good. really good. Yeah, that special effects I really um, liked was so his body oh, yeah. all... F- like, oh, the first time I he shows up in the that. hospital and half of his neck is hanging off and you see they, like things inside they cut a scene from that scene from the yes. hospital scene to keep an an r rating which i kind of wish they'd had because it sounded really funny when he steals the toast the toast was supposed to come out the neck <laughs> which is very similar to to if anyone's been to disneyland and i don't know if disney world has a suit in pirates of the caribbean they have the skeleton drinking wine and it's just going through the body and that just made me think of that and i'm like I would have thought that was hilarious, the toast coming out of the neck wound. But there was a couple well, of things that thing. had to get there, cut they, to keep there the were, rating. I could not tell what this movie was trying to be. Yes. Because the taglines that I found, like the official mm-hmm. ones, were talking about oh, it really? being like the horror movie of the year or whatever. And like how it was so terrifying. And I'm like, they were all it, these random jokes and like comedy, comedy things thrown in. So. And I did not like there was this, the, the transformation for me was probably the scariest part, which was not even scary. It was more like gross out kind of you know, this guy's you know going through all this, this torture right? that we have to watch. It's it's Jonathan Landis, mm-hmm. and he's known for things like Animal House, Three Amigos, um, did one of the Police Academies, bunch of stuff. Mostly known, I mean, he's done a lot of other stuff, like a lot of comedies. This is a horror comedy. I would place it, uh, no, I'm not going to say that because it's one of my things later. But it's, <laughs> it's a straight up horror comedy. Like, it's yes. supposed to be very scary, but it's funny. Well, I think it is trying <laughs> I, to be yeah, funny. No, exactly. I, love I, this. Think I think this there is were things that were supposed to be comedic. You can tell that it was supposed to be, but it yes. wasn't. It was. I can I tell that really they're funny. going for jokes at certain moments. I don't like David at all in this film, and I feel like the the comedy that it was trying for it failed on. And like comedy is something that doesn't hold up very well years apart from when it was made and so for me like the comedy part of it fell flat on like every single note see for me i thought the whole thing was still really funny i love um parts i laughed at the airplane joke even though it was really really stupid the guy in the bar with the remember the alamo right yeah like that might Um, have been the one part that i actually laughed at out of any of okay so you want to know what i thought was the funniest part of the movie and it's really really dumb the porno scene yes the whole (laughs) thing and then and then they're like this is a great movie what yes (laughs) i was so they kept cutting back to it and it's just the most mundane thing happening in the porno yeah so, like, the, the end of the film, to tell our listeners, takes place in London's Piccadilly Circus, uh, where David meets with um, Jack. He, What's his name? I already forgot. He goes to hide out because he's left um, 
the nurse's apartment who he's been staying with, he goes to hide out in a movie theater and it turns out to be a porno theater, which... Well, he follows Jack into there. He doesn't just pick a porno theater. He's yeah. like, well, this would be a great place to hide. But the porno gets mentioned earlier. You see a, you you see the poster for it in the subway scene. Um, what was it called? Something Next see you Wednesday? Next Wednesday? See you next Wednesday because it's a takeoff of See You Next Tuesday, which... I haven't seen it. I won't explain that joke. Um, All right. <laughs> if you don't get it, I'm not explaining it to you. Anyway. Fair. Maybe some of our audience will get it. Some of our audience will get it. Um, I'll explain it to you off air when you're an adult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so never. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> but they he they go hide out in a, a porno theater, but... So they they made a fake porno for it. Yes. And like And that's something I noticed in the credits. Like I was somewhat curious whether or not they were just showing some I don't know, some X-rated film the studio happened that's just to really own. Bad. No, it's it's a terrible film. Uh, <laughs> nearly as bad as the movie as a whole. Get uh, out. But, <laughs> but in the credits it does show like these are the people who wrote the porno. These are the people who starred in the porno. Mm-hmm. This was the director of the porno. But like, and so, like, this porn scene was a separate entity, separate film that they made for this read, movie. That was the first thing that got finished. But, like, well, it was like two minutes long, so. And slowly the rest of the ghosts file in and are telling him he. I I really like that scene. I do like this scene. But every once in a while during the scene, as they're telling um, David that he needs to sever the the line of the werewolf and how to kill himself, which is a really funny scene of, of yes. really upbeat people telling him how mm-hmm. he should kill himself. I loved that part. I thought yep. that's that humor held up for me perfectly. Um, it cuts back to the movie, and it's like this couple having sex, and then this guy walking in and being like, how dare you do this to me? And then being like, we don't know who you are. And he's like... Oh, oh, sorry, and just leaving. <laughs> or, like, the woman being like, oh, no, no one by this name here. Wrong number. Bye. But, like, well topless. And it's just like, what is happening in this movie? <laughs> yes, the porno is very much absurdist comedy. Oh. Where, like, nothing makes any sense. That Clearly, like, pornos are known for not having the best writing in the world. I think this was playing on that fact. I just looked at my notes, and one of my notes, for some reason, is just so many butts. Oh, yeah. So I was going to give this film credit, uh, because up until that scene at the very end where they go inside a porno theater, there is a lot of skin shown, but not necessarily a lot of nudity in the film. Because, like, butts... It's mostly Take them or leave them. It's, it's fine. There is There is one... There is one scene where you see a pebis. Uh, there is once <laughs> one scene maybe uh, before the porno where you see like a breast or two. Yeah. But for the most part, it's not like uh, a teen sex comedy where there's just boobs everywhere in your face. Like like animal house. Did... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like there, there they do show a lot of skin and not necessarily a lot of nudity. And I was going to give this movie credit for its level of restraint in that regard. And then they go well, into the porno I think theater. it made sense, especially during, well, I anyway, during the transformation scene at least. Because yes. there are a lot of those werewolf things where they just rip out of their clothes as they transform or something. And he actually kind of was like, oh, it's so hot. What am I, what's wrong with me? And he starts taking off all of his clothes. So then obviously he wouldn't have clothes on when he wakes up in the morning. So when he wakes up in the zoo, 
Yeah, the the other the other humor that I really enjoyed were was the people at the bar, particularly this uh, old woman bartender who like takes pride in the fact that her bar does not sell food. <laughs> like she repeatedly tells all the customers, "We do not serve food here." Um, I really like the little kid at the zoo. <laughs> yeah, that kid was so mad. Far better actor than the main character. You're right. No, Dr. Pepperman is, <laughs> is fine. There's Dr. nothing wrong Pepper with Dr. Pepperman? Doc- what is that? The guy who plays David was also known for being a being long-running Dr. Com- Pepper commercial. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I kept thinking he looked familiar and I didn't bother to yes. look up who he was, so I couldn't remember where was, I might have known him from. He was in Dr. Pepper commercial. I think he was in the Don't You Want to Be a Pepper he looked familiar to me, but that's because he resembles an actor in another movie uh, that I'm going to use for a pitch game. So we will get to that. Um, but by and large, while there are scenes in this film that I really, really like, I like the mythos that it adds to the the werewolf genre. I felt like all the comedy that the main character is given to do in this film falls flat for me. The side characters are great. His friend Jack is great. Uh, even uh, even Alex, I feel like, has a genuine connection with him. She feels like uh, maybe not a full character because it's a woman in a horror film, uh, but I do feel like she's doing a good job. Think for me, I didn't think David was given any comedic thing. I think his relationship with Jack... They had some back and forth stuff that to me right. was but kind of believable. Jack gets the punch but lines. yeah, Jack always had the funny part of the of the conversation. Yeah, he's the, but the most of the other kid. stuff that he does throughout the movie, um, David, I always took is David not as the straight great. man. Yeah, there's some times where he's kind of snarky and stuff, but he's never really the comedic one. He's really more the straight man through a lot of this for me. Yeah, but I don't take him very seriously either. Well, yeah, because he's supposed to be like nineteen. What, like nineteen? Maybe they say they're like just out of high school. Sure. So, like, I get that he's playing a younger character, but I feel like in certain scenes I'm supposed to take him seriously, uh, and in other scenes I feel like he's being a bit playful. And I felt like when he's trying to be serious. I do not take him seriously because I feel like he's just trying to have a lark. And yet he, like you said, he doesn't, he isn't given any humor. And so he doesn't make any jokes. And so I don't understand what he is supposed to be. A 19 year old who got attacked. Sure. But like there are scenes in the hospital bed where he is dealing with just seeing his dead friend come back to life and wondering whether he is losing his sanity after being attacked, because everyone is telling him it wasn't a wolf, it was a maniac that attacked you, there was no wolf, you're imagining it. And I feel like his delve into madness that should be there just wasn't there. Him crying and clawing up the wall wasn't diving into madness? No, because I didn't see that really either, because... I could see that that's what was supposed to be happening, right. but it didn't feel like I. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the how to way explain that he it. But curls what you up said, on the yeah. wall to grab the phone. I'm. It it's just, not the phone. It's it, the panic button. Sure. Uh, it almost took me out of the film for how ridiculous I thought that movement was. Like it didn't seem like he was actually panicking, and then when the nurse comes in, he immediately kisses her. Yeah, and. 
tries to change that dynamic. Like, he first, while he's in the hospital, he finds out that his friend is dead. He tries to jump out of the bed... To, and they have to like restrain him, and then immediately the next scene he's hitting on the nurse and doesn't even care about his friend being dead. Then his undead friend shows up, and he just has a conversation with him. Multiple times the undead friend shows up, and he just has conversations with him like it's a normal thing. But he's having the ongoing nightmares throughout the whole thing, and that whole scene where he's hitting on the nurse, it's mostly a distraction so he she won't force him to eat. Remember, because the whole reason yes. she comes in is, oh, you have to eat, you have to eat, and she, he keeps talking, so she, she, he won't have to eat. Yes, that scene I felt like was good. I don't feel like he was trying to, but I also feel like he's not trying to show any trauma that he's in. I feel like he was trying to read a book and it wasn't hungry, and then the nurse came in is like, well, I can only give you your medicine after you eat, so I guess I have to feed you. That scene I liked because it did show kind of a personal connection between these two characters. I bought that they were flirting with each other, and they seemed to have a genuine connection in that scene. The scene I'm talking about is later when he hits the panic button, and it's supposed to be in complete terror, and she comes in, and instead of, like, allowing her to comfort him by giving him a hug or, like, just trying to explain to her what's going on and sounding insane, he just goes in and kisses her and tries to make it a romantic scene. He's having an adrenaline rest from that. You do crazy things. I've done crazy things under those situations. Not kissed a person, but sure, done crazy adrenaline rush things like that. And so to me, it makes complete sense. He's adrenaline rest. He's seen someone who he's having feelings with. Adrenaline rest, crazy things are happening. I'm going to do an impulse move. There are other scenes where he's talking to the doctor about the trauma that he just went through and realizing that his friend, after he wakes up three weeks out of a coma, has died, is no longer on this earth. And he just, he doesn't ever seem to mourn his friend. He seems to just talk to the doctor normally. This is a doctor he doesn't know in a country he doesn't know with none of his family there. Does he really need to process it in any way that is normal? This is a high school boy. Don't you think you would process it in a way that's normal? (laughs) I think you're giving a lot of credit to this guy's poor acting choices in this. (laughs) I'm saying you're giving a lot of credit to say he should be crying and weeping and being so emotional. I'm saying he's doesn't have to. This isn't. This is a horror movie, not a character-driven drama. You don't have to. Is it a horror movie? Yes, it is a horror movie. I don't know that at any point in this movie I ever got scared of anything that was happening. Is Hocus Pocus considered a scary horror movie? Is anything no. a Halloween movie? <laughs> I mean, The Wicker Man's considered a horror movie, and I don't consider that scary at all, and it's considered one of the best horror movies of all time. The original, not the Nicolas Cage. Sure. Uh, so, later in the film, while we're on the subject of his acting, there is a scene where he has learned that people have died during the night he suspects that he is the cause his quote-unquote girlfriend nurse is trying to take him to the hospital where the doctor wants to see him he pulls over the cab and there's a scene where david goes and talks to a policeman and tries to confess to the crime and i get that the scene is trying to tell me that this guy this policeman isn't taking him seriously and that the policeman is a bad policeman because he should at least talk to David about this and at least file a report because this is a man committing to six or admitting to six murders during the night. But 
I don't buy David's confession in this scene. I don't buy that he is trying well, to get arrested. He's not really confessing to the crimes. He's just kind of trying to get arrested so he can get locked up. Right. And I don't buy that his effort is genuine. Well, he's I not think very good at it. The policeman is trying is thinking that he's having a lark and just trying to get arrested because he's playing some sort of mind game or whatever. Well, I think that's more a plot thing because they can't push it so far that, well, now the policeman's stupid for not arresting him because he can't get arrested. Right. So that's maybe a failure in the script writing then, that he's trying to get arrested. The plot means that he can't get arrested. And so he has to, and so the policeman, no matter what he does, cannot arrest him. And like, I don't know, that scene was just so weird and so out of place uh, and just felt, it, it felt ungenuine. And I mean, the police is not going to take a statement from him for the confessor and murders because they don't think anyone killed those people. Remember? Because they think it's an animal attack. So if we look at this film as a culty horror film, sure, you expect, you expect some of the acting to be terrible, but... Which I don't giving, think it is. I think David, the guy who's playing him, is the worst actor in the film. Given everyone else's performances, I think he falls way short of the bar that everyone else is setting in this film. I think he's fine. I, there, uh, oh, what's the line? She Is it, you have lovely sheep? No, different one. Uh, so just, be, just when Nurse Alex takes David home for the first time. Uh, she's giving him a tour of the apartment, and it's kind of cute flirting. They get to the bedroom, and David realizes, well, there's only one bed. Where are, we, where are two of us going to sleep? And there's this really weird moment where instead of just making the moment right to get into the sex scene, uh, Alex kind of tells him, these are the number of sexual partners I had. These are the number of one-night stands I've had. Uh, and then she decides to go and take a shower, and, and it's a weird transition. But the line that she says to David is, I find you very attractive and a little bit sad. And I just found him a little bit sad the whole time. <laughs> and, like, I feel like that's the only note I could ever get from this character, was just, he's a little bit mopey, he's a little bit sad, he's not super depressed, he's not having a traumatic breakdown, he's just, he's a little sad. See, I didn't get that at all. I don't get where you guys are coming from at all. <laughs> Is that really surprising? I feel like it's usually the boys against the girl on this podcast. Maybe. Well, considering this <laughs> so, is a classic horror movie, I think the world's going to side with me. So, uh, mm. I think even Wikipedia listed as a culty horror film. And while culty horror films do have their following, they are genuinely recognized as not great movies that make they make weird choices, and people love them because they make weird choices. I think Jonathan Landis's career survived well after this, so I think we're oh. okay. What famous movie has he been in? What lead role has no, he had? No, no, no. Jonathan no. Landis wrote and directed <laughs> oh, this right. movie. All right. What has the main character done besides Dr. Pepper? He did other stuff, but I mean, like... Fine. He had a, he, he's had a continued career. I'm saying he's not had a, an amazing but career But a lot of people this. in, like, horror movies tend to get pigeonholed. A lot of, like, anything... There's Academy Award winners that only made one movie. The other big problem I have with this film is the transitions are horrible. Yes. 
there are it's supposed to be comedy horror and i get that it's trying to transition from a comedy scene to a horror scene or from uh, a regular scene into a sex scene and it doesn't bridge the gap between these moments well the one time didn't bother me is when somebody they show the where when he's out attacking people in the middle of the night and you see it's like the suspense building part where it's, he's about to jump out and attack somebody and then it cuts to the zoo and a lion is roaring yes and that kind of works because you're expecting it to be a werewolf jumping out and roaring at somebody and then it's not but a lot of the other like cutting from one scene to the next just doesn't make any sense it's like like and i think this was different how just how they did things differently in the you know older time periods but like the dream sequences were just kind of like you're those. like you're watching a scene and then all of a sudden you're in a completely different place and there's david walking around and then suddenly there's weird creepy nazi monsters in the okay, house that that was the one so. scene i didn't quite understand it did feel like a scene from the wall or from pink floyd that that's there's a, so to explain this to our audience, there's a scene where cutting from maybe the hospital, they it cuts to David's American home, and he's back at home. He's talking to his parents and his sister and his brother, and then zombie Nazis come in. They break down the door, and they brutally murder the entire family. And then we learn, this was all a dream. This means nothing. And then, then the nurse walks in and she's like, oh, well, let's get some light in the room. And she opens the curtain and then more Nazi zombies jump in and kill her. And he wakes up again. <laughs> right. So, like, I was bored with that motif because I, uh, by the end of the first Nazi scene, and then they did it again because... Uh, in they talked about other things they cut out. This scene could easily be lost because it doesn't accomplish anything. And, like, a horror film needs to have stakes. That's what makes it scary. Having a dream sequence where they're murdering a family and it's a dream and they wake up and it doesn't mean anything. It has no bearing on the, the character for real. It's all just make-believe. It There's no stakes. I don't care about well, that and that scene goes on for a while that something's going on with him and he's not better yet and the only the stuff that got cut out the only things that were really cut out were for rating stuff so it didn't get x-rated right so i think a better representation of that was the other dream sequences where david is running through the woods naked uh and like you see it from the point of view a couple of times. More butts. You get the sense. A lot of butt. Uh, <laughs> you get the sense that he is a, a wild animal, and this part of this animal is growing inside of him, and he's getting used to that nature. That worked well because it was him transforming into a wolf. This whole scene where with Nazi zombies that you never see again in this film, completely random. Yeah, that was, that was the one scene I just I didn't quite get. The other transition that really bothered me was while I really loved the transformation scene of him turning into a wolf for the first time, there is a long montage before that where we're just watching David be bored for an no. entire day. Okay, maybe I just love that scene because I love the song playing during that montage. Maybe. Like, but that's a whole other point because... They have if all this I'm peppy watching, oldies music, and I'm like, this is supposed to be a horror we, movie? I we don't will, understand We will get about... to the, the music oh, in a I bit. I love the music! I, it's we good will get music, to it. but I don't, it doesn't fit the movie. I, 
I no, have it a note on it. It does. Uh, Just so because it has the we, word moon in it. Let me say my thing. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the problem I have is that there for the entire song, we're watching David in Alex's apartment and he's just bored. He can't find anything to do. He's talking to himself, which the movie is supposed to tell us are jokes where he says, well, there's nothing on TV. And then he turns on the TV and he flips through channels and he opens a fridge. It's like, I'm not hungry. And then a couple of frames later, he opens the fridge again. Well, I'm still not hungry. And like, I get that these are supposed to be little jokes, and they don't work. I think the not being hungry is a different thing, though, because he said that at the hospital, too, and I think that's part of his transforming to a werewolf. I I don't think this is so much a montage of him being bored, so much of him showing him growing kind of anxious, like, because he's pacing, he's getting more, like, opening things quicker, going through things. I think it's supposed to be a building, and part of that is the use of the song, which is... CCR's Bad Moon Rising. All right. My interpretation of this is that he was visited the night before by Jack, who told him the first full moon, your first transformation, will be tomorrow. And so him in this house is, I, I interpret it as him just waiting for something to happen. Well, yeah, and, but that's and dreading what's going to happen. Not, I'm just bored. I'm waiting to see what's happening. But he's, he is trying to fill the day. There's a, there's a part where, like, he just takes a nap. Like, well, yeah, we're, start- we're supposed to be excited by the main character's adventure, and he's on a bed sleeping for most of the day. Well, yeah, that's how it starts. It's just, oh, I'm bored. But it's then it builds, and oh, he's moving, and he's shifting, and he can't get comfortable. Except of something's coming, he's sitting something's in a coming. chair reading a book when the transformation happens. But I remember well, yeah, he was looking he in the mirror, making faces at himself, doing, trying can't. to be like, oh, I'm supposed to be a werewolf, but look at me. He looks, he looks in a mirror, and he really, he literally says the word snarl <laughs> instead of just snarling at the mirror. So, like, I get what you're saying. I think it could have been done better to make that build more obvious. Because it wasn't obvious to me. It felt like he was just waiting around the house for Alex to come home or just trying to fill his day. And then he's reading a book and suddenly a werewolf transformation happens. So, like, it's a very boring scene for a long, boring, extended scene and then a really good scene right after it. You guys just don't appreciate CCR enough. I I guess (laughs) not. Uh, So... Let's talk about the music because I felt like these songs were too obvious. Yes. No, I love them. I loved the use of three different types of blue moon. It is my favorite thing. I think, I mean, I, I know what they were trying to do, but just throwing a song in there because it has the word moon in it. Exactly. And then they were all, they're all like really happy, peppy sounding songs. And then you throw it in here and it's supposed to be um, like, here's a scary scene. No. Here so is this the, thing happening. The, slow the worst ballad. one is the end credits because it's oh, like, it's yes. my favorite we thing. You're supposed I to be all thoughtful no, and sad because the werewolf dies and then it goes no, all no, happy. Oh, no. That is the anything. one. That is the one point where I laughed out loud at the film. And that's not supposed to be a funny no. moment in the film. <laughs> I loved it. No, that is a bad transition. <laughs> yes. It 
was a great transition. Well, no, I loved it. I will. This is the part of the film which we will get to because it's the very end of the film, mm. oh. and we will cover other things before getting to the denouement it, of this. It film. will come up I in my pitch games because there's another. But, there's a movie no. in my pitch games that's yes, there specifically yes, Sarah, because this of that. This is the part where people who like it because it's bad will say this is the greatest part of the film it no. is good bad in that <laughs> no, in that no. regard but it's still bad no unironically i love that ending i think it's amazing it, well I you are wrong argue, <laughs> i will argue against you when we get to that when we get to the anyway, denouement fine. and i will explain to our audience what that scene is and they can decide whether or not anyway, it's good can i talk about the opening credits then so it's a slow version of Blue Moon over just fields, and I, for some reason, found that so unsettling. Just the moors and the slowest version of Blue Moon. Well, I think the moors are just unsettling. That's it's true. the environment and not necessarily the but song. But then it's just kind of this like slow version of Blue Moon while we're just pictures of I found that really unsettling. Nothing happens in these credits. Just slow pans over the moors to blue moon and i'm like i don't know what's happening <laughs> and it made me very uncomfortable maybe it's because i like blue moon the song yes i like it, it too. so it doesn't times. seem to fit that it's a creepy movie mm. i don't know they do an even creepier version of Blue Moon during the transformation one. It plays three times. It plays opening credits during the transformation and closing credits. So like Mark was alluding to earlier, I felt like when music started in this film, I, one, recognized the song, which is you rare for me. You recognize the song? Well, but to me, I did. if it's a song but, that I know, it pulls me out of the movie, right? So, so I recognize the song. how did you feel songs. about Guardians of the Galaxy? I recognized the songs, and then I thought to myself, why is that in this movie? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, because it has the word moon in it, yep. and this is a werewolf film. Did you recognize <laughs> Moondance? I don't know Moondance. I'm talking moon. Blue Moon, and there's a bad moon on the rise. Um, it's the, the, the song that plays when they're in the shower. It's Van okay. Morrison. So, talking about the shower scene, that's <laughs> another, like, I can maybe... Give that one a pass because it's the man who directed Animal House and none of the sex makes sense in that film. But, like, they weren't <laughs> having a romantic moment. They were... She had just called him uh, very handsome sad. but a, very sad uh, and, like, kind of broken down in front of him, like, explaining this is who I am in relationships and, like, these are the number of one-night stands I've had. And, like, that's a weird conversation to have with someone who has just come into your home and then she excuses herself to go take a shower uh and it seemed like she was leaving because of the gravity of that conversation that she needed to get away from and then it cuts to both of them in the shower see i didn't find that conversation like her breaking down i think that was just her like completely laying out yeah, I've had one-night stands before. This might be a one-night stand. Whatever. And then she's like, I'm going to take a shower while you think that over. Yeah, yeah but... And then he doesn't think it over. He doesn't. He, that was what more of what I took it, because she's the older woman in this situation. She's sure. probably more like 24 to his, like, 19, because she's a nurse already. He's just out of high school. So she's older. I think she was more like, I'm an independent woman. Here's my, my past. Here's what I'm okay with. I'm going to go take a shower while you deal with Again, it. Again, the transition, though, is just weird because it. 
I you don't see it, and then it's just them talking, and then suddenly, hey, we're both in the shower. Then they're both in the shower. Uh, and then they they move from the shower back to the bedroom, and this scene goes on far too long. But yeah, uh, they're and completely like, dry. But now yes. what this they is, they must have chowed off in front <laughs> of each like other before moving into hair. the bedroom. So my question now: He's already a werewolf, kind of transitioning at this point. Say she gets pregnant. <laughs> That's the sequel. Right. Is it? Because the sequel has none of the same characters. It has their child, and it's really, really bad. So and has a lot of are CGI. We gonna, are we going to watch now that one now, Is it as bad too? as this film? This, this, see, this film is amazing, and you guys all just suck. And Listen, I can understand an appreciation for the film for it being a culty horror film yes. that but not for has saying gained it's popularity good. later on for being a good bad film i no, can no. buy that no this bad. is a good bad film <laughs> no i unironically love this no bad just good you're Disagree. still wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. so as long as that sex scene goes on and it goes on far too long Apparently, like, that's one of the scenes that the director had to cut down. So apparently there's, on the cutting room floor, this scene could have been ten minutes long of just watching two people have sex during a Hollywood movie. I think that was just the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Although, they were not doing a very good job of it. Like, in the shower, it was just like, here, let me smash my face into yours, and that was them (laughs) kissing. But I think that was just, like, we're now, this is the time of things have loosened up a bit, let's just have a bunch of, ooh, tantalizing things. I think that was just the time period. Sure. So, the other thing that you reminded... not liberated enough, Carl. The other thing you reminded me of uh, when you were talking about the the power dynamic and the relationship of her being the older woman, perhaps the reason I don't like David as a main character is because he's a very weak character. And yes, that's supposed to be juxtaposed against him turning into a werewolf as a very powerful being. But you never feel the sense that, like, the werewolf is giving him any power. When he's interacting with other people, he always seems to have the lower hand in the relationship. And it's it's hard to watch a character, especially a main character in a film, who is a weak person. Meh. <laughs> I don't mind. Meh. Um, can we talk about my... <laughs> My aha moment that I sent you guys the text message of the other day. <laughs> so I I was on the lookout Tobias Funk. for this. <laughs> Tobias Funke is his name. Yes. He's an anaurapist. But it's more fun to call him written Funk. Anal no, rapist. he's not. He's, he's from the, um, he's from the, um, the No, the no, no, no. The what? Consulate is not what I wanted. He's from the okay. American Embassy. Not the character in the film. No, no, I'm no. talking about We're Tobias Funke, the character in Arrested Development, yes. who looks suspiciously like this yes, character. Yes, you said something about like he was a, the, a doctor or psychiatrist. No, no, no. Tobias Funke is an oh. analrapist, which is an analyst and a therapist. Okay. But he smushed them together so it reads anal therapist. Got it. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't watch that. Or show. anal rapist. Anyway, it's a fun show. You should watch you it. You should. Um, I don't have but time. I saw this guy's name. I'm going to let you reveal who this is. But I saw his name in the opening credits. And I thought to myself, why is he in this mm-hmm. film? Is there is the wolf a puppet? Anyway, well, I mean, who is this guy? Well, yes, who are we talking a, about? Well, I mean, the wolf is a puppet, but <laughs> that's a different... Technically, he's in this movie twice. True. Is he? Yes. So, this guy comes on, it's something Collins, which I only remember because it's, it's my last name. Yeah. 
Um, but he's a character that comes in, supposed to be from the American embassy to talk to him, and he's the worst. But as he's talking, I went, that voice sounds familiar. He sounds like a cartoon character. And then I went, he sounds like Fozzie Bear. Mm-hmm. And I went, it's Frank Oz. Yes. Now, I will Frank say... Oz is in this movie, not covered in felt as you've normally Except seen. But he yeah. also is, because later on in that montage you hate, he watches the Muppet show for a couple seconds. That's and right. And Miss Piggy is That's on the TV. Right. That's, okay. That's another weird transition. Granted, it's into a mm-hmm. dream sequence, but suddenly and without warning, there's the Muppets. I don't know. Maybe that's how Frank Oz got paid. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I was wondering I, if he made a deal, like, since he was in the show, that, hey, can we throw a little Muppets clip into the movie <laughs> now? That but, I- like, it, it's one of those things where we've talked about in past episodes how we can recognize Jim Cummings' voice now, like, out of nowhere, that's Frank Oz. You're like, uh, nope, I got it. I will say I watched the movie before you texted us about Frank Oz in it, and I didn't pay attention to the credits because that's the boring part of the movie. And It was the opening credits. I had to watch yeah, it. It was part of the film. Um, so I didn't even notice that the first time I went through it, but then I watched it a second time, which was unfortunate. But because you mentioned it, I had to specifically listen to everyone's voice. So the whole time I'm watching it the second time, I'm like, well, he doesn't sound familiar. He doesn't sound familiar. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, yeah, well, there's Fozzie Bear. So, yep. But I mean, Frank Oz did other acting and he directed a bunch of things. So I learned recently he directed one of my favorite British movies, which I did not know. So I found one of my notes on David here. Um, and was I it, described you have him- lovely sheep. Nope. D- further out of the film. That's very early. Um, I love that line. <laughs> uh, but it was my impression of David while I was watching the film that that David is a real Superman. He is very wholesome. He seems very genuine. He's kind of pretty, but like kind he's just pretty. he's just so boring. He Aww. just he's so bland. You have to. I think watching this film. You have to put your own spin on how you interpret the character. You have to throw a lot of things onto the character for your own interpretation of him to get any sort of appreciation. I like He's just David. He is so white bread. I like David. Uh, so so a- wait, explain why you like him and maybe you will convince Carl, but I doubt it. I didn't I didn't find him that exciting either. I don't know that I hate him as much as Carl does, but he no, no. was just boring. I yes. He is boring and he is a main character, which is why I hate him, because he gets he gets ninety percent of the screen time. I found And him if realistic. I'm forced to watch someone for ninety percent of a film, I would want like I don't want to be bored by them. I want a reason to watch him. I found him realistic. I found him interacting with people to seem like a real person because real people aren't super interesting all the time. They're normal and they interact but with this people like normal. It's a humans. movie that is not terribly realistic. <laughs> yeah, but I kind of like that he is a normal person going through unrealistic things. I like sure, that. Sure, but, but this is kind he of a really schlocky, have any emotions. culty horror film. And? And he doesn't even fit in that genre yeah. because if he did, his acting be over the top. You have Nothing to display to what's boxes. happening. I I just feel like maybe he's acting the way a normal person would act in this. But I don't watch films to watch normal people. But lots of people do. 
I feel like a horror film is the wrong movie to put that type of character. But lots of horror films have the straight man that is just a normal person. Dr. Yes, Hirsch. and they're bland, and those movies are more about the monster. Not necessarily. Normally, you're still following that person and how they deal with that monster. Most horror films are focused more on the monster than they do the main cast. Like, that, you go to the movie to see the monster and see them kill these people. The monster's really the anti-hero of those films. Not necessarily. In a lot of things, you don't necessarily even ever see the monster. If you're seeing, like, um, a lot of the more, like, suspense jump scare things, the monster might never ever, like, you won't even see it for more than a few seconds. It'll just jump out for a second and you won't see it. You're just seeing people react more. And that's the, the whole thing about the horror movies is it's supposed to be you see the monster as little as possible until the end. However, yes, this, I felt like... Okay, they don't really show the monster that much, but you also barely had any action. Like, more than half the movie was just people talking about, oh, this guy's going to turn into a werewolf now, but will he or won't he? And now I'm talking to my undead friend, but we're just talking again. And then there's, like, five-minute rampage, and then he's in the zoo, and then there's the little ending thing. But you don't – there's, like, barely anything happening. There isn't really a monster attacking people throughout the movie it's only that one little bit see but it's a lot ramping up to whether or not it's actually happening or is it in his head until it happens and then but of but of course it's actually happening we saw in the beginning of the film a wolf turn into a man after getting shot of course werewolves are real in this universe well yeah but the people he's trying to convince don't believe him until the doctor goes to the crazy town right I was going to bring that up because I think that's another really interesting plot that they didn't explore fully in this movie. It felt an underfinished storyline where the doctor believes that David thinks he's turning into a wolf. And he believes that David went through a traumatic experience in a town where every one of the townsfolk believe in this wolf creature. And therefore, in this traumatic moment, he brought that into his psyche and remembers getting attacked by a wolf instead of a maniac. That's interesting that as a psychological aspect. And the doctor goes to the town to talk to the townsfolk to see, to get more evidence on the story to try to determine whether or not he can help David with this mental disorder. And then after leaving the town, they never explore this again. Well, that's because right when he gets back, all the stuff is going down. Which, during that thing where David tries to get arrested, I do have something written down, which was just the insult, Shakespeare's French. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the things he said to try to get himself arrested, which was... Didn't he say that the queen was a man also, I think? Mm -hmm. But but his last one was just, Shakespeare was French! I So, the doctor is interesting... To me, oh, he also has one of my favorite lines. He's a doctor, but he's the one investigating all of this. Like He's not. Because remember, there's the two policemen that come. No, but he drove out to the town because the policemen yes, didn't believe the thing. because the, the police thing. officers said the case was closed. And so he's doing it because no one will listen to anything. And he's like, I'm just going to go check it out because he's doctor housing it. Um, the doctor has one of my favorite lines. It's because when the f- police officer, poli- the police, like detective and police sergeant sad sack come he <laughs> i don't think that's actually like, his name but <laughs> <laughs> something about like tell him i'm not here tell him i've died of, like tell him i've had an accident tell him i'm dead 
So that's that's another. You brought up the policeman, the the second in some, in command, the police lieutenant, uh, who's walking around with the detective. That's another thing where, like, I felt the comedy worked because physical comedy kind of holds up over the years, and I felt like that guy was a bit way more comic relief. See, um, but that's where. I- I again, it's where I didn't feel like it fit the movie, like that they like the theme that they were going for. I understood yeah. that they were trying to be funny, but to me, that would fit more in an actual like cop comedy type thing instead of supposed to be. I think they're trying to be funny, but I think they were also just trying to be British <laughs> in a way. They were just trying to be British. They weren't trying to be funny. Like in this very like stickler for like levels of authority in the fact that like since he was like like a lot of the stuff where like he was knocking over the stuff it was he had done something like he said something out of turn and then he like tried to rebound and then like freaked out and knocked something over or something like that was part of his character and it was very like he's like the goofy underling or the time that the the lieutenant guy walked out and closed the door and the sergeant's like Oh, don't worry, we'll take care of it. He turns around and walks into the door because it was already closed. So, Mark, you asked what this film is, what genre it fits in, and it is it is certainly a milestone in the horror comedy genre. And I feel like it was still trying to find the, foot, the footing for how those two things fit together. I'm going to disagree with Sarah here and say that it doesn't do that particularly well. However, it did open the door... Uh, reading the Wikipedia article here, to other 80s genre films uh, that are also comedy horror films, such as Beetlejuice and Gremlins and Evil Dead 2. So, like, it started that genre, and then those films kind of picked up and ran with it and later on developed a bit better, blending comedy with horror. I don't, I don't know if it's because I watch a lot of, like... Dumb movies? I don't want to say a lot of British stuff <laughs> that's very, very... I don't know, like, very old British stuff. Like, like 1970s, 1980s, like, British sitcoms. And so this kind of, like, not funny to you, but, like, dry funny. Like, to me, I think it's funny. And right. that kind of, like... Because a lot of this stuff is trying to be, like, we're aside from, like, David, everyone else is trying to be very British. Well, um, yes, because David's cause, American. Because David, Jack, and I guess Frank Oz are the only Americans, and everyone else is vi- like, like stereotype British, like super, super British, and t- like I find that funny. Sure. So another film uh, in this genre, uh, Shaun of the Dead. La- the director uh. Edgar Wright cites this movie. American Werewolf in London as the major inspiration for that film. I was going to say, I, I love that movie. Carl but I was like, needs to stop it's talking. It's still my second favorite in that. Why? Because every time you start making points, you're taking away all of my games for later. <laughs> oh, fun. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you stole your games from the Wikipedia article. I didn't, actually. I came up with it on my own. Well, congratulations. You made a connection that because was actually Because you do more real. research than I do. <laughs> I did I did write down in my quotes that I thought were funny was the just tell him I'm dead. <laughs> oh, also, the nurse lady is actually I I recognize her cuz like a lot of the actors I don't recognize cuz stuff. The nurse, I did because she's on Call the Midwife. She plays Sister Julian and I like her on that show. She's lovely. I don't know what that is, but I will take your word on it. It is a BBC show about I have heard of it, but I have Anglican never been interested nuns. to watch it. <laughs> 
who are nurses in like 1950s Britain. They're midwives nurses. And yeah. Good story. It's a nice BBC show. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> I found another example of uh, a poor sequence of shots or like a sequence of scenes in this film that don't make a whole lot of sense together or just are like whiplash of emotion. No, that's a different uh, movie. Okay. Yeah, that was a much better film. You're right. We'll I watch that it. next time. <laughs> I do like J.K. Simmons. I, I like him too. He was a great J. Jonah Jameson. Um, so <laughs> after the first transformation where we see a bunch of people get slaughtered, David wakes up and he's feeling great. He's got all these wolf hormones running around in his human body and he feels up and ready to go and peppy. Uh, and... This is when the doctor calls Alex. He's just like, Alex, have you seen David since he left the hospital? And she's like, well, I guess. I mean, I slept with him a couple of times, but I don't know if you call that seeing him. Um, and so she finds him and tries to take him to the hospital. And this entire scene, when they're in the cab and walking to the cab stand, he is trying to get a quickie with her. He is feeling very frisky. He is hitting on her as hard as he can uh, because... That's the hormones that are in his body. While they're in the cab, he is trying to neck her, uh, and the cabbie... Why are you sounding like a 1950s person right now? What do you call making out with somebody's neck? <laughs> I don't know, but I don't think no anyone calls it necking anymore. It's a That's baby, like, literally what he is doing. Like, he is... He is... Trying to give her a hickey, I guess. I, I guess that's less old fashioned. He's, he's nuzzling her neck. Is that better? You sound less like an old person. All right. Uh, but then the cabbie brings up the six murders that have happened in the previous night and relates it to Jack the Ripper. And immediately, uh, David is friskiness gone. He is pull over the cab and need to talk to policemen immediately. This is where the weird policeman scene comes in, where he's trying to get arrested and fails to French. get arrested. Uh, yes, Shakespeare's French. The Queen is a man. None of that gets him arrested. And then he tells uh, Alex he loves her, and he leaves. So, like, after seeking the help of a policeman, he's not going to go see the help of the doctor. That... Alex was trying to give to him. He's going to go off on his own. And then we get a scene where he's in a phone booth calling his family, telling him that he loves him. Uh, and then he's about to commit suicide. And so, like, that all happens in the course of five minutes. And that's a, that is a weird shift in emotion for one character to have in five minutes. Well, I don't think he wants to go with the doctor because Alex until the police thing and he's freaking out she doesn't tell him that she he's going to the doctor because they know about the werewolf thing because remember at the point they're just saying oh you need to come to the doctor for some stuff because at the time they're still trying to hide the murders for him so they can't be like oh hey you murdered some people werewolf thing you need to come with me to the doctor they're just saying hey there's some paperwork you have to fill out well alex didn't even the- know at this point because when when she called the doctor he said oh well haven't you heard and she says no and he, he said oh we'll just bring him here right away so yeah, I, don't I don't think, think she it, even knew. it really gets through to him that oh we're taking you to the doctor for that problem okay i think he just thinks well that was me no one can help me 
that was something completely separate that we were going to the doctor for. I'm just going to do what Jack told me to do. Right. So he, he brings a pocket knife to his wrist and is a coward and doesn't go through with it. Which is a reoccurring character trait. Yes. Maybe I don't like him because he's a coward. Um, <laughs> to be but fair, it's a, he is a like, well, 19-year-old he boy. is also, sure. he, he, his cowardice is why Jack died, kind of, it because is. he ran away at the beginning. He did go back, he was just he a little did. slow. Yeah. To be fair, oh, I he's think not that's as fast I, as a werewolf. I think that's where I started not liking him. It's <laughs> when, fair, if it was when like, the werewolf is killing his friend, he just books it the other direction. To be fair, guys, if you guys were getting attacked by a werewolf, oh, 100% yeah. would book oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I stub my toe, I know you're gone. <laughs> you, are, not, you are out the door. I am not helping you with werewolves. I'm gone. <laughs> I don't oh, yeah. need to outrun the werewolf, just you two. Sarah, I I know that about you. <laughs> so That no, is that's not a, a revelation. <laughs> like, and he did try to go back. He's just, werewolves are very fast. Sure. To be fair, he wasn't helping Jack. They were both dead. Well, he could have, I mean, maybe. We don't know. <laughs> maybe he could have fought the wolf a bit. Maybe Jack wouldn't have sustained injuries that led to his death. But remember during the one thing he killed like six people the only reason the werewolf didn't kill him is because the other people came with the shotgun well yeah if the guy with the shotgun's gonna be there anyway maybe he can sustain the wolf long enough until they get there and then he's got a buddy werewolf yeah they could have gone around werewolf film. we know david's not that strong they're both dead yeah he's a weak and a coward anyway so he's he's in this film both he contemplates suicide and uh, is trying to go through with what his friend says is best for him, and he's cowardly. Uh, and then he sees his friend across the way at a porno theater. He's like, I'll go talk to my friend. So, like, the end of this film, it kind of just unravels and dissolves, and it just, like, I don't really buy this whole transition. So this is the point that we get to that whole thing. Where he goes to talk to his friend and Jack reminds him, yeah, you need to kill yourself. Let me introduce you to some people. And he brings in all the undead people that David had killed the night before. And so they're all giving their tips on how he should kill himself so Including that they can be released and go to heaven or whatever. This this scene, I really like. I thought it, it was is, great how they just kept going on with suggestions. brutal. <laughs> the like, really happy party guest. Those people are great. The first person he talks to, though, is a guy that he killed in the subway. Which is a great scene. Yeah. That seems yes. like some great camera I work. Was, yes, yes, it does. Yep. I was very confused at the beginning of this film because this man walks up to a vending machine and, like, buys something. And I didn't know exactly what he was buying. I assumed it was either cigarettes or a condom. And then he pops the whole thing in his mouth, and I still don't know what he bought. I think it was, like, candy or something. Maybe. Why didn't it show any candy on the side of the vending machine? It's fine. I don't need because to know what's going on. Because they didn't have money for product placement. <laughs> Anywho. So, the guy he kills in the they subway all their money is on the first... The Muppet Show. Is the first ghost that uh, Jack brings in to talk to David. And this guy, like, lays into him. It's just like, hey, guy, you killed me you left my wife a widow and my children fatherless you did this to me you need to kill yourself and just like that's hard to hear and like so much worse if you're already feeling guilt for killing these anonymous people for one of them to show up and like 
tell you all the trouble that you not just brought him, but the trouble you're bringing still living people that they're going to feel for years. And of course, David doesn't react to it at all. Nope. Like, the party guests seem not bothered in the least nope. bit. Oh no, they were ready for death. They were like, yeah, like super, super happy to give all suggestions. They're just fine. And the hobos are just as angry as they were in life. Well, and somebody suggests that he hangs himself, and Jack's like, no, that you could do that wrong, and then it would just hurt. And so, so they start suggesting that he shoots himself, and the subway guy is like, well, make sure you put it in your mouth so you don't miss. I, and then they I all start coming really up with other suggestions. I was scared that they were going to kill a dog in this movie, but the dog survived. <laughs> that Wait, did the dog survive? Yeah, Because you never hear it. from the dog again. But the, they let the dog go free. The dog ran away. I don't think and the dog, the dog, dog went away. to fight oh, okay. him. Dogs don't like werewolves. Oh, that's right. But wolves the like dogs werewolves. Dogs kept barking at him. Not a friend to uh, dogs or cats in this film. But but just normal wolves love him because they mm. let oh, him yeah, hang yeah. out at the zoo. They recognize him as the alpha. Even though he was a uh, human at this point, they still look at him and just... Oh boy, we could talk about that zoo scene because it is a weird one. One where he wakes up naked in a zoo among the wolves. <laughs> and the angriest little kid in the world, dressed like Danian from the Omen. <laughs> right, I'm on the side of the little kid. Because, like, if this weird foreign man is naked in a bush. The, the I don't want to go up to him. The line the little kid says is, a naked American man stole my balloon. <laughs> yeah. But they have him Why? dressed like Damien from the Omen. Yeah, yeah. Why was David's first thought, hiding in a bush, I know what I can use to hide my genitalia, this little kid's balloon. My question Why is, was where, that his first thought? Where did the coat come from that he, he stole? He seat? stole it from a he, woman. He was running through the zoo and or at least running somewhere, and he grabbed it yeah. off a bench where there were two people right. sitting. I I forgot about that, but, like, I guess the balloon thing is just, like, I mean, it, there's been, like, drawings and stuff and, like, with the balloon and stuff like that, and I guess that's the play, but, like... I don't know. This is this was a really weird scene to me. Like, if you're going to have an adult man naked needing to get out of a situation... Don't involve children. I think they don't, just don't put an ex- children in I that scene. I think they scene. need an excuse to bring in a creepy British kid. <laughs> that was a creepy British kid. He was Why was so he creepy? Because he had a British accent? <laughs> no, because he was dressed like the kid from The Omen, and he was so well, Mark has never he seen that. he just in a so schoolboy uniform? Yeah, I don't know. That whole, like, three-piece suit on the little kid and, like, like knickerbockers it's, just freaked yeah, me out. <laughs> that's, that's just a school uniform, yeah. isn't it? I just, I can't do it. All right. Maybe I'm just afraid of small British children. Maybe you're just scared of children in general. I mean, I am, but like, I'm not good with children, guys. Oh, yeah, I know. So I just don't like short pants. That is also not a revelation. Here's the thing. So so he goes to the theater, right? We're skipping yes. all the way back to there. Well, I mean, that's near the end of the film. I think we're well, here, so, so he wakes up in the back. zoo in the morning, assume, oh, yeah, assuming yeah. this is early morning because he's been out killing people all night. He wakes up in the morning, gets back to her apartment or her flat, and immediately she's on the phone with the doctor, and they get in the cab to go to the doctor. <laughs> then... He is. Do, what, I'm sorry. I, you guys are I'm all laughing listening. at something that's happening. I'm on listening, but your screen. cat is licking itself in the background. 
She does that. I don't pay attention. Okay. But, like, <laughs> she she was really getting in there. Yep. That's why I was laughing. Anyway, so please continue so he with your talk about this naked man in a zoo. Wakes up early in the morning at the zoo, gets back to her apartment. Then they get in the cab, and on the way to the hospital, he jumps out to yell at the policeman, and then he goes and calls his family, and then he's in the theater. So when he comes out of the theater, it's nighttime, like middle of the night darkness, and all the policemen are there. So how long has he been sitting in the porno theater talking to dead people? Well, a while. <laughs> um, also, when he comes out of the theater, he is a wolf. Well, that's true. Um, but... And, like, I looked something up because it didn't make sense to me. It turns out that's not a real thing that happens. You don't get two full moons two nights Correct. in a row. I was wondering about that, too. Like, it is a monthly cycle. <laughs> like, that's why... Do you have a joke there, Sarah? No. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> Do you want to talk about how werewolfism is just an allegory for puberty? No, it that's, is. that's the Ginger Snaps movies. Fair enough. Uh, I do like those films. Much better than this one. Uh, not the third one. Oh, fine. I've only seen the first one. Uh, so, you don't get two full moons in a row. The other thing I noticed in this film, while I'm on the subject of mistakes... Um, and to answer your question, Mark, he spent a day watching porn. He was just watching I think the, the same ghost... terrible porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I well, think the ghost... Maybe his friend wanted him to have a little joy in his life before he told him to off himself. Well, he's talking to ghosts who have nothing else to do. Like, they're gonna be there all day because they have no one else to talk to. And so, like, he's just gonna hang out with these ghosts. Maybe they were also confused by the plot of the movie and needed to check it out for a while. Ah. Oh, you okay? Or, you mean the plot of you mean the plot of the porno? I thought yes. you meant the plot of the film that they're in when <laughs> I was confused about the plot. I think yeah. all right. they could have just spent you know ten hours discussing how to kill himself. So. Right, and then it's it true. doesn't matter because he doesn't use any of those. So the he other mistake I saw was in the um, in the scene just before the the transformation, the boring scene, the boring montage I was talking about earlier. That, I'm just that. I'm just reminding our listeners what I'm talking about. Uh, he looks into the fridge, and inside the fridge, there's eggs. And in Britain, they don't refrigerate eggs. We're one of the very few countries that refrigerates eggs because we remove some of the protective coating, uh, so our eggs go bad faster. Maybe she has an American parent, but was raised in Britain, and so she has American eggs and an accent. Wait. She imported American <laughs> eggs. No, but I mean, maybe she just got in the habit of putting her eggs in the fridge. Mm, maybe. Anyway, it was a weird thing that I know about eggs that I saw was wrong in this film. Maybe it's just because it's a movie that takes place in Britain, but it's an American director. That's right. That man doesn't know shit about eggs. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> is that is that going to be your new... Thing for the egg council. <laughs> is that yes. is that our lesson for today, Carl? Oh no, I have a better lesson. I actually wrote that Whoa. this time instead of writing a mad? sixty second synopsis. Um, anywho, so why don't we move on to the the end of this film, the denouement that we've been building up to? Uh, I have to say, there are a lot of stupid people on this street. Oh, for sure. You mean the policemen that after their comrades get murdered decide to enter the room where their comrades got murdered? No, no, just people on the street. So they People on the street. 
on the street. So the the one police officer goes in the movie theater, sees the guy that's been murdered, runs out, closes the barricade, and is like, "There's there's some wild animal in here. We we gotta get." Everyone on the street is like, oh, what is this thing banging against the barricade? I must go check it out. And I'm like, you are the stupidest people. The police are saying, everyone get out of here. Some wild animals. Oh, I must go check out what's banging against that barricade, breaking it down. Like, literally, everyone in that crowd scene just goes, swoop, towards the door. Yeah, and there are, the police kept yelling at them to run away, and then more yeah. people show up. And everyone just slowly walks towards the Okay, to be fair, like, that's like being in the Midwest during a tornado, so... That's it is true. true. <laughs> but I'm like, it's like in Clue, when people kept coming to the door, it's like, you're all gonna get killed! <laughs> so, this scene was one of the good ones in this film, because in a movie, in a horror movie where there's not a lot of action, there's not, not a lot of murdering, this at least was a good finale in the amount of action that it showed, like... There's as soon as he breaks out of this porno theater, there's just car crash after car crash because he's running through the streets and cars are swerving to avoid him. And it's it's like that scene from Blues Brothers where just a hundred cars bang but into you know, each other. You know what I discover here? I think more people died from car accidents and whatever here than he actually killed himself because like they show yeah, somebody probably. getting his head run over when the cars go by like, the one guy flies out and just gets crushed by the car um he does he does do where he rips the guy's head off and yeah flying, right that's him yes. which I think is, that's one that's of as detectives. he breaks out the door he jumped like he just jumps through right into because, somebody's neck i mean to be fair that's a pretty fake head mm. but if there's one thing that will make me happy and make me laugh every time, it's decapitation. It a, it's a fake head going flying across the screen. I'm a simple girl. Uh, I have my simple laugh. pleasures, my guillotine. I get uses it all the time. Like just like a fake, real fake, really fake head just so going must, flying is. Funny you must to me. love any film based on the French Revolution. Yeah, just heads flying better, left and right. But a lot of those have more realistic The Red heads. Queen from Alice in Wonderland, that's your dream job. But a lot of those have more realistic heads, and they're serious. I want a fake head just getting chucked across the screen. Great. Now you know All what right. to get Sarah for Christmas. A fake head? <laughs> I would I just give you a hundred hours of video of fake heads <laughs> flying across screens. Do you think they have, like, a kickball or something that's kind of shaped like a head? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right, so let's let's finish this film. He breaks out of the porno theater. A lot of car crashes. The police are swarming around trying to corner this wild animal. Uh, also, what they've added to the mythos is that you don't need silver bullets. That's one part of the, the mythos they don't keep in line with, uh, where any bullet will do. Anything can kill this werewolf. And so the police are storming. Alex is hearing about this, and she rushes in to go save David not realizing that what he's been saying the entire time is true and that he's turning into a wolf. And the police have cornered David into this alleyway with no exit. And so he goes to the end of the alleyway in shadows to uh, try to bide some time as the wolf and not get shot. 
Alex is able to break the police line because the police don't care, apparently, about saving her life. Well, they're British police in the, like, late 70s, early 80s. All they've got is a baton. And she's small no, and scrappy. No, they, they had guns. Oh, right, they they used did, them to kill say, the wolf. You did say, get back up and tell them to bring the rifles or something. Yeah, they don't at first. That okay. early, Those early two cops, they got oh, nothing. No. Because all they're doing is, like, holding the wall. That's all they can do at the movie theater is hold the wall, which <laughs> does nothing. No. It does to, not like, stop a very powerful they animal. They're terrible cop. Their like, British charm and pride in the city of London so doesn't stop this criminal. So the ones she gets past are, like, the original cops who are like, I'm going to hold this wall and hope you can't get through. So... Alex goes down the alleyway looking to save David's life. And this is after David has said that he loves her. And this is after Alex has expressed her love to David as well. She tries to King Kong him. Yes, she tries to go and say, hey, calm down. I'm here for you. I know you're a wolf, but I'm into that. So just calm down. Uh, We'll try to get you some help. <laughs> she she loves a wolf. What do you want me to tell you? It's not the same. <laughs> so she's she's just trying to calm him down, thinking that if animal control can get there, they can get a tranquilizer, they can save David's life, even though he's led a rampage in this city. I'm on a rampage. A rampage. Uh the wolf, David the wolf, bursts out of the shadows and tries to attack her, and this is where the British sharpshooters, even though they don't normally use guns, are able to bend the bullets around <laughs> Alex and just shoot the wolf perfectly. They wanted and they, it. And they kill David. Did yes, you get they it? Did. Did I got it. I, that's where bended bullets are from, is from the movie Wanted, to explain it to our audience. Oh, man, it's great <laughs> when I explain jokes, huh? Um, I'm so clever. So... This is by far the worst transition in the film. <laughs> yes, Sarah. Best Sarah, transition. Let me, Sarah, so... let me explain it. Ugh. Let me explain it to our audience because the wolf is dead. And when werewolves Ding die, dog, they the turn back into their human form. So Alex is standing there after trying to console the person that she loves Now she is looking upon his dead body on the street and it cuts back to Alex and she has a little moment where it really sinks in that this man that she has come to love over a months long relationship is gone from this world forever. And she has that, you see just a little sinking moment, little, and then it immediately cuts to the credits with the song Blue Moon that goes Blue Moon. So like I from mean... a moment of quiet solace of a woman mourning the man that she loves who is lying dead in front of her to a poppy 50 song is the wrong way to end the movie. See, I loved it. I loved how abrupt it was. No. It was just... No. <laughs> Done. No. Like, that is good-bad. That's not good transitions. No, I think it's great. I think that choice was perfect. So, see, what Carl is saying uh, is that it's good-bad, and that's why some people like it, and you're saying you like it, so you like the good-bad. I'm not liking it ironically (laughs) at all. I'm saying, I think as an artistic choice, I love it. I think 
purposely to have you had such an abrupt shooting and his death that that ironic just ending you don't get that moment of emotional closure that's what they wanted and to just transition into something so abruptly I liked that I liked that you didn't go into some sad sappy song I wanted it to be completely different I loved that ending like the the credits break immediately after cutting on her is enough of a surprise going to black and rolling credits that's enough of an abrupt end the fact that they had the same poppy 50s song that they had in the beginning credits that is emotional whiplash but i want the emotional whiplash i don't like for a film that has struggled to maintain my attention finally having like the the climax of the film is pretty good, leading to this actual heart-filled moment in a film that has tried to be funny and failed for most of the to film. To you. Sure. Uh, this was a genuine moment. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, a, that's way more heart than I expected from this film. I might rate it a little higher than I thought I was going to based on this scene alone. And then abrupt end to a fun 50s pop song. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, that, that's about right for this film. This but film I think is for bad. Me, that whole end scene is just faster and faster and faster and there's no way to fix it. And, and I don't think it's supposed to allow you to have that moment. She's not allowed to have that moment. I don't think anyone's supposed to allow that moment. And so that immediate cutoff, that's the point. And to just have it cut to black and then play the sad song or to have nothing, you'd still get that time to have that moment. I don't think it's supposed to allow you to have the time to have that moment. I think it's supposed to completely change. So this film, for me, struggles in whether it is a tragedy or a comedy. So it is a tragedy in the sense that once he is cursed, he is doomed. He needs to die, all the ghosts are telling him he needs to kill himself, and kind of the way that he goes about doing that is suicide by cop. So he is a tragic figure for the moment he gets slashed by the werewolf and wakes up alive. For the film to end like that and then immediately cut to the credits and having an emotional whiplash, it's trying to be a comedy after this very tragic scene. But it is a comedy. It's not, though. It is. That goes back to my whole point of I cannot tell what it's trying to be. Right. So it was just confusing. It is not a drama. It is. You're trying in a horror comedy to put too much. It's like saying you want deep character arcs from a farce. You're not going to get that out of a horror comedy. And but you're not it wasn't supposed a to. farce for most of the film. There was they took the werewolf genre seriously in the the gruesomeness of the transformation, and also the townsfolk believing in this witchcraft that was saving them from the werewolf of their town. Like they weren't having a farcical lark with the idea of well, werewolves. Yeah, but if you think about Evil Dead, it does that too. It's got grotesque and evil things. But yet you still have a man saying having a chainsaw for an arm. <laughs> and I think if the if David's character was more over the top, it would have been more appropriate for that. But I type still of think genre. it's supposed to be very I mean to say it, it's supposed to be very British in a way. It's supposed to be very dry, it's supposed to be very level. And for me, I like that. I understand what you're saying. I think that it was one of the it's certainly a milestone in horror comedies. 
I think it didn't find the right balance between those two genres, and it didn't meld well in this film. It led to much better films that are able to meld those things together well, and that's why I think it's great historically. But I think it was still trying to find the right balance nope. between those two. I think it's fine, and I, I didn't mind it. I like I don't need it to be emotional or these characters to be sympathetic. I like that it ends really bleak and dark and has that whiplash because I think it's funny. <laughs> but we've also established that you think it's funny to see people's heads rolling around the screen. It's true. So. I really do. And maybe it's just I prefer in horror comedies for it to be really dark rather than to have any kind of... I don't want it to end sad. I want it to end funny. And but, I think it does with that but credit. the movie did end sad. Mm -hmm. The credits aren't a part of the movie like no, the story did the story ends like if they're if they're playing this movie on tv they're gonna speed through the credits the credits are not the important thing they're showing an audience like a whiplash two credits i don't think is a part of the story of the film the film ends as a tragedy sound direction is a part of the storytelling right but credits normally aren't but that transition into credits can be hmm I think if it was trying to be more of a, a farcical take on werewolves, I feel like this end is inappropriate. But it's not a farce. It's a black comedy horror. Hmm. It's not supposed to be upbeat funny. It's supposed to be pretty. I mean, we're But the we're jokes that they make are not like thing. dark humor throughout the film. I feel like I feel like Jack definitely fits that dark humor genre. I yes. don't feel like David does. I don't feel like Alex does. I don't feel like but any other character in this film. they're not supposed to be the humor film. part. They're supposed to be more of the straight characters that are having things happen to them. <laughs> but for a straight character, there needs to be more back and forth between the comedy and the straight man. And while I agree that they but, definitely but have that dynamic with Jack and David, but if you're... <laughs> if he's... For a straight man to work... He needs to be surrounded by outlandish characters. And he needs to have scenes with outlandish characters where he can be the audience surrogate and try to anchor the film in reality while all these crazy things are going on around him. And there, David and Jack definitely have that dynamic. I understand where you're coming from with that. No one else in the film has that dynamic with David, though. And Jack is not very prevalent in the film he shows up a few times but you keep saying oh but david david's not funny david's not really supposed to be funny he's not in a like oh i'm i'm the funny comic character. he's just funny in a i'm just a 19 year old telling stupid joke sort of way he's just supposed to be a normal 19 18 year old boy who had something traumatic happen to him and is now stuck in europe for some reason i'm saying i don't think it works as a comedy horror film and i feel like if David is supposed to be the straight man of a comedy movie, I don't think he's fulfilling that role well. But I wouldn't say straight man either. He's not comic. He's, a, he's you just You have said normal. straight man well, yes, several but times. He's more of the straight man. More of the straight man than you say he's supposed to be funny in a comedy. He's not supposed I think, to be funny. I think there are, yes, he's not supposed to be funny, but I think there are moments I, where he tries to be funny well, and it fails. Yes, because he's a 19-year-old boy. You keep saying that. Like... I've met 19-year-olds that are more dynamic, and, like, 
uh, a bit more driven or a bit more confident than David is. Well, yeah, but he's just out of high school. He's having his gap year. <laughs> he's just going on a... He's just supposed to be backpacking across Europe. He's not doing anything. I think you're making a lot of excuses for David. Well, because he didn't bother me as a character. <laughs> I... So, the reason he bothered me was he is the quote-unquote hero of the film. I don't think there is a hero of the film. Well, There's he is the main... There's nothing to save. He is the main character of the film. I was forced to see his face for upwards of two hours. You could say main character, <laughs> but I wouldn't say there's any hero. Fair. So, as a character, we have established he's a little sad. He is um, not necessarily funny. Uh, and he is a coward. And I feel like for a main character, that's hard to watch for two hours. See, but I find that more realistic and interesting than a guy who's going to be super brave and funny and charming all the time, more than less, in, in, a, in a horror movie. If you're looking for horror and comedy mixed together, why do you want realistic? Exactly. For horror comedies... Characters are not necessarily realistic because or down to Because I don't need this to be like Evil Dead or something like that, sure. where it's big over the top, again, kind of like everything's almost a parody joke. This is more horror comedy in a very, again, in a very dry sort of way, and that doesn't bother me. I really like that sort of thing. Hmm. All right. Well, I think this is going to come up more in reviews. Uh, but as we, we've discussed the end of the film, do we have any more notes before we go on to games? All right, let's go on to games. <laughs> Our first game is the pitch game, a game where we take one, two, three, or more properties and shove them in the form, it's this meets this to describe this film in terms of other things. So, we are still doing the guessing game. Uh, so, Mark, you are going to start us off. What is an American werewolf in London in terms of other things? You will notice that now that people are guessing, I make these a lot longer, so you have to remember more stuff. <laughs> oh, I forgot we were doing that. Well, let's try to okay. pay attention. Okay, everybody listen My, my really one's well. going to be really, really hard Shh, now. Sarah, you're talking. It means you can't listen. All right, so, and I, well, we'll see what happens. Because this is a movie with lots of attempts at comedy, even though it's meant to be scary, jaunty music that seems inappropriate to the theme and action of the film, use of puppets and animatronics, and features a pivotal scene taking place in a movie theater... Mm, and maybe. a movie where several spirits are stuck in limbo and need the help of one living being who can see them, but he must make a big sacrifice in order to save them. Okay, I thought I knew the first one, but see then now I, lost I thought it. I knew the second one, and you mentioned he has to make a sacrifice. So I think the second one is no. Wait, hold on. Oh, do you think the second one is Heart and Souls? That's what I thought it was until the sacrifice thing. Because What's... I thought initially it was Beetlejuice. I thought the uh, first one was Beetlejuice until the movie theater thing. So I think my guess for this is I think it is Gremlins 2 meets Heart and Souls. Uh, that's close. Is Which it one's wrong? Gremlins it's the first Gremlins one. Oh, yes. first Gremlins. Wait, but the second one, they're in the mall. Is that not where they're in the, the, they, the theater? They're not no. in the mall. They're in the smart building. Yeah, what are, what? 
They blow up a movie theater in the first one. <laughs> okay. I mean, there are shops in the smart building. Yeah. But there is a shopping center. Yes. In the smart building. Yes. All but right. there's more than just the mall in there. Because there's also office buildings and stuff like that. Fair enough. I haven't and seen a TV the first studio. Gremlins in a while. Though I, hmm. Oh, it's the best. It's, it's like yeah, there's no, different we, things on every floor. That should be our Christmas film. Because there's there's the cooking show that they go on to right. at one point. There is a TV center in there as well. All right. I don't know <clears> if I've <throat> seen the entire second one, actually. The second one is worse, yes. I feel like. I kind of like the second one better. Of course you like, do. I like that they expanded on it. I like that they had different types of gremlins in that. Like, the spider gremlin? Horrifying. I kind of like that Gremlins 2 was just the director didn't want to do it, so he's like, I'm going to just do nonsense. Yeah. Oh, I love uh, Roger Ebert's cameo in Gremlins 2, where he comments on the film that he is in, discussing the plot. There's just so much, like, fourth wall nonsense breaking that I find hilarious. It's, it's That's nonsense. the type of action comedy that works. Mm-hmm. It's a nonsense. Gremlins 2 is a nonsense movie. All right. That What ever happened to Phoebe Cates? Oh, who knows? I'm going to go on to my game, Yes, though. please. All right, so. <laughs> if someone knows, <clears throat> let us know. All right. Maybe Phoebe so. Cates. A property where a village in the English countryside believes and wards against a malicious canine and a doctor goes to try to investigate its validity in regards to some murder victims. And a movie with two American men set off in an adventure across the pond with characters meeting and harassing skinheads, trying to participate in the sexual openness customs of Europe, and ultimately more interested in getting laid than considering the consequences of their actions. We never even talked about the skinheads. <laughs> That's true. Any guesses from either one of you? Wait, I'm confused by the skinheads. They're, oh, in this movie? Yes. Uh, so they're taking the, the tube to a, Alex's oh. apartment, and he's okay. making faces yeah. at skinheads. Yes, okay. Yeah, we skipped that part earlier, because it did. kind of has nothing I mean, to do it, with it the rest of the I mean, it was a transitionary scene. It wasn't a major yeah. plot point in the it film. Was this, I think it was a scene where I was taking notes and not paying that much attention. Um, so, I'm not sure The first one I, I wanted to say... These. You might know one I wanted to say the Hounds of... Baskerville. Well, do you mean the one. Hound of the Baskervilles? Because that's correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is there's the one, one Hound, the there is multiple Baskervilles. I know, there's multiple. <laughs> I debated about putting that but on yes. my list and did not. Uh, I put it on there because they mentioned it in the film. Yeah. And it's w- the one Sherlock Holmes novel where the beginning of the, the entire adventure is just Watson in the countryside failing at investigating. Um, I have no idea for the second one. I don't know, Eurotrip? Correct. <laughs> yeah. I... A sexual romp through Europe. Yeah, it's Eurotrip. I don't know if I have seen that entire movie, but I also don't remember skinheads and the parts of it that I have seen. I don't think I have even thought of that movie since it came out. <laughs> well, you, you remembered it when it counted. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. It's really funny. All right. Sarah, go ahead. All right. So, a horror comedy. Gremlins 2. <laughs> with uh. the undead and a brunette male protagonist <laughs> meets a horror movie where 
main characters go into the English countryside and are faced with small town folk who aren't very keen on sharing their secrets. Hmm, okay. So, I'm gonna guess, um, I wanna say Evil Dead 2, uh, but it's, might not be that, but I'll say Evil Dead 2 meets a Hot Fuzz. You're correct on the first one, you're okay. not correct on the second one, it was a horror movie for the second one. Okay. Although, actually, that's pretty good, I wish I had thought of that one. Yeah, I didn't think of that either. Um, what was that, what was the description it's a horror movie where a person goes into the English countryside to a small village where people are not keen on sharing their secrets. That really does mm, sound Father like Father Tom. Clothes. I don't know. I might um, have mentioned this one already tonight. English countryside murdering. Oh, the, the, what's, uh, was it the... Um, was this the one with the same female protagonist? Um, you said she was in something. No, I said she was in Call the Midwife. <laughs> I haven't which is seen a it. Medical no. Maybe drama. that's maybe that's a horror film. Well, no, it is a <laughs> a medical drama. <laughs> All right. Well, it's maybe it's like Rosemary and Time, where she solves a murder with I don't I know do plants or whatever. I do love that show, though. All right. Um, I, don't I will know. tell you, they they did make a really really terrible remake of it. That okay. is known for being memed. Great, thank you. Twilight. Twilight's <laughs> not a remake. It's a remake of a book. <laughs> the answer is The Wicker Man. Oh. Uh, you know, you Mark has not seen either Man. of those either. Yes. Uh, oh, the Nicolas Cage one is good, bad. Like, ooh, in fact, just watch the last five minutes. Isn't of that the like Nicolas most Cage Nicolas Wicker Cage Man. movies? The original one? didn't find scary but i did watch it at like four in the morning and to me it was just a lot of naked singing hippies that sounds like hippies uh but that yeah, sounds the, like the a lot of 70s movies. very critically critically acclaimed so if you want to see a lot of like critically. 1970s boobs i mean and christopher lee if you're asking me if one. i want to see, see christopher lee's boobs i mean the answer's gotta be yes because <laughs> there's just this scene where they're like He's in the room and they zoom through to the other wall and it's just like naked women swaying and singing hippie songs. It's really well, weird. that's all you needed to convince Carl. So. Well, well, I'm there in. There you go. Sold. All right, Mark, go ahead. What's your next picture? All right. I will be surprised if you get one of these, um, but maybe you have seen terrible movies. Because it's a movie that uses creepy slash ugly puppets, features a lengthy transformation scene created to gross out and scare the audience. It's a scary Halloween-themed film with comedic elements, and the beast is defeated by love. And a property with fake-looking monster costumes, quirky British humor... Light scares, but ultimately just sci-fi creepy. A doctor who discovers the truth and alerts the authorities, but tries to save the day with the help of his companion. So the second one, I'm going to guess Doctor <laughs> Who. Yeah, no. That sounds, that sounds correct. And the first one I have... the Yeah, you mentioned it gets solved with love, mm. uh, which... I mean, okay, so that made me think of King Kong, but there's mm. no transition scene in King Kong. It's not the Hulk, is it? No. The weird puppets. <laughs> we, so I guess we didn't talk about that much in this movie either because it doesn't really get solved by love, but he does bring it up once that he read a he story does. about it. Beauty and and the in beast. the end, it was somebody that loved him that had to kill him. Is it right. Beauty and 
the Beast, the live action version? No, because I've never seen that, uh, and I will not. Uh, you mentioned weird <laughs> puppets, so I'm going to guess the Dark Crystal, having never seen it. Mark has never seen the Dark Crystal. We're discovering all the movies that Mark <gasps> oh, yeah, has never seen. Oh, yeah, we've talked about that. This is the one that I, I don't that know that either too. of you weird would have puppet. guessed. The Fly. Ooh, no, but that's a good right. one. Fraggle Rock. This one is <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh, I have seen that. <laughs> oh, no, we talked he, about that. Wait, wait, never- wait. He does not defeat the monster with love. He defeats it with Miak. No, that is milk, not true. That's the isn't that the one way to defeat the beast? No, he he well all the minion ones, but he has to go dance around and kiss the 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 big daddy one and be like I love you, and that's what destroys it. We oh, talked right. about how I've never watch seen it again. an Ernest movie, right? Uh, you really don't need to. I mean, I like what's his name in the Toy Story movies? Slinky. <laughs> yeah, but what is that? His Jim, Jim Varney. Jim Varney. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I have three of them on DVD if you ever want. Although you still oh, haven't given boy. me back my Bill and Ted movie either. I think it's still on my dining so... room table. <laughs> All right. I'm going to keep us moving. This podcast <laughs> is going to be three hours long. Well, it's, we, we didn't even mention that it's our anniversary special, did we? I said it was the 50th episode at did the we? beginning of the yeah, episode. I don't pay attention when you talk. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> Only when she disagrees I, and wants to At least to yell the people you. listening might pay attention to me. Uh, I hope so. All right. So, my next one. <clears throat> A young man joins a long line of werewolves by transforming himself during a full moon, featuring characters using questionable means to have sex, becoming locally notorious, and alienating the people who care about them. And a movie where a character is able to see and hear spirits who endlessly walk the earth uh, and struggles to deal with this fact, but ultimately learns from them and takes their advice. That first one's definitely Teen Teen Wolf, isn't it? Yeah. Because isn't it? It's his friend that keeps trying to. Oh yeah, Boof. The Boof. weirdest, the weirdest girl name you've ever heard. <laughs> that movie, part of parts of that movie are kind of gross now. Like. Oh, most of it. Yeah. You mean like, most of it? <laughs> like, ooh, his friends are not great. <laughs> no, he's like he's bad in the film because he uses his popularity from being a wolf yeah. to make all friends that he loses when he refuses I to think transform. The second and he one uses it to have that. sex with a girl who isn't even interested in him and just wants to make her boyfriend jealous. I think the second one is even worse about that. Which it is- sure is. Ooh. A teen wolf in London. Anyway, do we have a guess on the second one? Is the Teen Wolf in London a, a, re, a remake of this movie? <laughs> Something about spirits. Let's hope. That one with Ricky Gervais where he's a dentist and hears Ooh, spirits. it's not. What is that one called? Ghost World. You're, no. Was it? <laughs> I think it I is. Ghost World was that one with, like, Thora Birch and based on the That's, comic. That is not a name. Thora Birch? You said Thora Birchin. <laughs> Which sounds like the fakiest fake made-up name <laughs> when somebody is asking for your ID and you say, oh, I don't have it. It's like, well, what's your name? Thora Birch. Ghost World is definitely the Scarlett Johansson Thora Birch one. Um, well, I, I, it almost sounds like it would be Heart and Souls again, but I don't think it is because... Ghost Town is Ghost the Ricky Gervais. I was close. Um... Let me let me say it again, and I'll rephrase a thing to see if you can grab it. Okay. All right. Uh, a movie where a character is able 
to see dead people and hear spirits who endlessly oh, walk the earth. Sickness? Well, <laughs> it is indeed the sixth sense. I don't know why the way you phrased it the first time I was expecting an adult. Oh, no, just a character. Um, oh. I don't know, I just don't, as we, as we heard, I'm scared of children, so I don't That's think true. about them. Oh, Haley Joel Osment was a real scary child. What was that? Especially him in AI. Dead eyes. Was it? Was oh? Well, he was a robot. I was thinking yeah. the kid. Oh, with Bruce yeah, because it's another Bruce Willis movie. So oh, okay, Fair I enough. like that movie. It's pretty good. All right. So. Oh, I guess I still have one, don't I? No, yeah, I Sarah, still have Sarah one. has a second one. Sarah oh, has a second one. I forget okay. that she has. That's right. To say. We're only in the second <laughs> round because we're taking the longest <laughs> period to talk in so, between them. <sighs> a movie where a woman tries. To bring out the human inside a beast using the power of love, but not the one you're thinking of. <laughs> it's not Beauty and the Beast. Um, when I put this one down, I forgot we were doing guessing, and now it's it's really hard. Is <laughs> it the why. most generic thing you've ever done? Because I'm pretty sure you had a very generic one for Heart yeah, and Soul, where it's I a did. it's a romantic um, comedy where the love another, interests get together. It's another horror comedy that involves seeing a lot of really weird. Special effects visions and really weird, like, scene visions of, like, dead people and friends. And you probably have never seen this movie, so that is not going to help you at all. Great. Great and good. I'm so sorry. <laughs> when I wrote it down, the the connection between these movies made sense to me. And only you. Forever. And only me? Well... <laughs> Maybe to my sister when she hears this, she'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but I'm All not right. even sure if either of you have seen this movie. Maybe not. All right. So it's the first one, King Kong. No, Ooh. also not that one. Oh, uses love to tame the beast. Twas love that killed the beast. Um, Thanks, Jack Black. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's another one that I've already mentioned. God. Stop I mentioning did, I all I literally your gave it away last round. Mighty Joe Young. Mighty Joe Young. I literally gave it away last round. I guessed it as a movie last round. I don't remember that far back. I guessed it for Mark's thing because I thought he had the same train of thought as me. Mark's you said Beauty thing. and the Beast. No, before that. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Oh. Well, I don't recall them. Out of guesses. Mark, do you have a shot? I, I don't listen when Sarah talks, so... <laughs> <laughs> Now the shoe's on the other face. It's the Avengers? I guess Avengers uh, 2. Because uh, it's the, the Hulk. Hulk. Uh, right. Yes, Age of Ultron. All hail. And the second movie, you're not going to get it. No, I'm not. No. Tell me what it is. It's the 1980s movie House. Oh, with, uh, with Hugh Laurie. No. <laughs> <laughs> Now is this now is this the Disney Channel original film Smart House? No. Okay. No. Um, I think it. <laughs> Wait. What was your explanation 19... of that one? Is... So, nineteen eighty-five. Is... It involves a troubled writer moving into a haunted house, and he like weird things keeps happening. The Shining. And George Wentz uh, keeps you mean showing up Horror? as a <laughs> yes. Okay. Keeps showing up as a vision, and he's trying to find his son. Was this? Wait, wait. Having... Was this um, Tony Shalhoub? Because there was some movie no. with him like that, where he gets trapped in a house and then finds his dead wife. Like no, that's like ninety nine uh, something. Ninety nine ghosts. George Wentz, Richard Mull, who's from um, Night Court. 
But he okay. keeps having like Vietnam flashbacks. It is the weirdest. It's I love it. It's a great movie. It's a cult classic horror movie. Weird stuff. He moves into this house that he like inherits from where, his aunt or something. Where, sorry, we're done with this. We gotta keep moving. <laughs> Someone will get my reference and they'll be like, "Yeah, that totally makes sense." All right, Mark, not me. Go. Oh, um, my last one. It was kind of an afterthought, but it made sense to me, so I included it anyway. Um, Is it Shrek? (gasps) No. So, because it's a horror comedy movie set in the UK that tries to mix comedy and jump scares and features undead friends. Is it Shaun of the Dead? That is correct. And it's meeting a movie that has a sad, thoughtful, emotional ending that immediately cuts to upbeat credits music that doesn't seem to fit the feeling. You did credits, because if it wasn't credits, I was going to be like, Bambi. (laughs) The Iron Giant. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. Now, does it cut to a song that goes, You do that pretty well. I don't think it's that song, but it's very similar. (laughs) All right, I don't know what this is. American Graffiti. Ah, oh, I've never seen American I've never Graffiti. Seen well, you should see it, because it's a good movie. Okay. <laughs> I think I found my new catchphrase. Sarah had hers <laughs> last time, which is, that's gravy. And now... Oh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and now I think mine is, I've never seen it. <laughs> All right. My last one. Dear God, this game has been going on forever. Yes, it has. <laughs> All right. Is it Trek? <laughs> Oh, but I didn't even... How did you... It's not. All right, so... If I keep guessing it, eventually it will be Shrek. (laughs) Yeah, if you write Shrek, it will be Shrek. All right. A movie where an attractive but dull man with doe-like eyes and curly hair encounters supernatural creatures who transform at night and terrorize small villages. Carl's life. Well, yeah. And a movie where local townsfolk hold up in a bar hall to escape a supernatural threat and an outsider hero braves the night and fights with the beast, which ultimately uh, ultimately rids the town of its troubles but causes more problems at the same time. The first one, is the first one Gremlins again? Yeah. I mean, yes. You calling the curly head kid boring? Yes. What is that actor's name? I mean, Boring yes. McBorsky. <laughs> um... Uh, I was trying to get him make a really, um, I was going to make a really okay, obscure, is that sentence going to end? I was going to make a really obscure guess, yeah. but now I can remember it. Oh, I was going to make a Darby O'Gill and the Little People reference, but. Ooh, see, that is too obscure. I was going this to guess that earlier when you said something about going to a small village in the middle of oh, UK. Oh, you're going to guess Darby O'Gill and the Little People. But it wasn't a horror movie, so it didn't fit. I don't know. That banshee scene at the end scared me as a child. So this one is obscure, but you've definitely heard of it. Uh, Let's see. (sighs) I'm trying to think of hints that I can give that don't necessarily give it away. Kung Fu Kangaroos. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. No. um, uh, The the bar they hold up in is more of like a feasting hall. Is this like Lord of the Uh, Rings? the the outsider is a titular hero so the film is film and story is named after him oh um, oh is it the one about the desolation of smaug or the other one <laughs> no it is not a hobbit film no. 
All right. Uh, big hint should definitely give it away. The, the creature they hold up against, the supernatural beast, is named Grendel. Oh. Um, that's Sarah he, should know this. I do. I know. And then they made the movie, and Angelina play, Jolie played Grendel's mother. And why am I blanking on the stupid name of this book? Come on. You um, know it. Uh, if I know it, Beowulf. you know it. Beowulf is correct. Yeah. I was going to say, was, wolf is kind of in the title. Like, if I know what it is, Sarah must know it because she reads yeah. all those was, things. <laughs> that was one of the few epics I didn't oh, yeah, have yeah. to read in high school. I, I, I've I never read it. Um, I just know it. I, had I to think read I it saw in, like, the sixth film. Grade was, and I hated it. Was that, um, was it Sean Bean? Was he Beowulf in that? Uh, no, because he didn't die. <laughs> Doesn't he? Uh, Doesn't it end with Beowulf's death? That's why she know. said he couldn't have been Beowulf. Well, I, I didn't see that movie, so I don't know how far through Beowulf it goes. Right. I mean, well, it's a very long epic. Let's go on to our second film. Nope, let's go on <laughs> to our second game, <laughs> which again. is called Alternate Taglines. Uh, a word or phrase you would see in the movie poster for the film, which... Uh, accurately describes the spirit of the film, though possibly misses the point. So, Mark, you're going to be doing the real ones for this film, uh, and you're going to be starting us off, so go ahead. So, there are six of these. Wow. Pick your favorite three. <laughs> We're only doing three. Uh, okay, well, two of them are kind of the same thing. All right, so the first one is An American Werewolf in London, Beware the Moon. Ooh. They do say that a few times. Mm-hmm. Beware the moon. Stay on the road. Yeah, they totally disregard that advice. <laughs> that helped no one. Um, let's see. I've got an American werewolf in London. England really takes pride in not serving food. Okay, so this is the stupidest thing I've ever written, and I'm okay. very proud of it. <laughs> Are you Great. sure this is the stupidest? I've heard a lot of stupid things out of your mouth over the Whoa. years. Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> American werewolf in London, look who's talking for, ghost this time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That, I mean, that also <laughs> works for the sixth sense if we ever do that film. That, I mean, where was that when we did Heart and Souls? I hadn't thought of it yet, but I'm very proud of it. <laughs> I'm very proud of how terrible this thing is. All right, so Mark. Oh, uh, Mark, you, go ahead. You, oh, you already did one, didn't you? I sure did. Uh, I'll save the, the best worst one for last. So, uh, an American werewolf in London from the director of Animal House, a different kind of animal. Oh, that's Ooh. not terrible. Um, <laughs> my next one, I'll lead into it to explain. <laughs> so this has to do with the scene, uh, moving from scene to scene that I mentioned that was just bad. All right. So An American Werewolf in London, a film of transitions as strange as they are horrible. Also the transformation scene. Sorry, I got distracted because my dog is kind of snoring. It's fine. <laughs> it's your turn. <laughs> I only had one. Oh, you only oh. Mark, go ahead. I can make one up real quick. G- yes. I mean, yes. And go. An American werewolf in London. Please stay off the grass. <laughs> All right, it works. Okay. All right, uh, um, Mark, go ahead. Um, okay, an American werewolf in London. I can't see what it says. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This was your one job. This, okay, 
<laughs> you uh, th- now you thought that Sarah's one was bad that she thought was uh-huh. terrible. Uh-huh. An American Werewolf in London, the monster movie, the only monster movie. That's <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, others are just a monster movie. This is the monster yes. movie. All right, my final one, <clears throat> probably the one I'm most proud of, even though it's oh it's no, pretty dumb. Oh, All right, no. an American Werewolf in London. There's a bad movie on the rise. <sighs> hmm. That was a pretty bad CCR as well. All right. I don't you're, listen to them exclusively. You're not a you're not a very good Fogarty. All right. Gosh. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get sued for it. That's the worst thing you've ever said. <laughs> That's also a musical lawsuit joke that someone's gonna get, maybe. Oh, I got it. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our final game, which is the TV Guide game. It is a description of the plot of the film you would see in a Netflix or TV Guide description, Um, which for us is accurate, but hopefully misses the point. Mark, you're starting us off once again. So tell us, what is the plot of an American werewolf in London? When an American tourist meets an English nurse who makes him forget a recent death, his friend wages a campaign amongst the undead to convince David to commit suicide. Pretty good. All right. Um, my first one. <clears throat> An American degenerate backpacking through Europe disobeys the local customs of the county, streaks through London, lures a small boy to a bush where he's hiding naked, <laughs> visits a nudie theater, and wears women's clothing, eventually committing suicide by cop. What a vacation. An hour and a half long video promoting Italian tourism. Straight to the point. (laughs) Pretty great. (laughs) Which only makes sense if you've seen the first scene where they talk about how they chose to go to England before Italy and they wish they were in Italy. Right. I did forget that. Thank you for explaining it to both me and our audience. Yep. All right. Mark, go ahead. A foreigner traveling through England uses the opportunity to murder his traveling companion and acts insane in an attempt to blame the death on a wild beast. In the end, he cannot deal with the guilt and has a howl of the night on the town. Oh, oh, that would hurt. That was like a gut That's kind punch. of my goal anymore, is just to hurt you. Oh, wow. Mission accomplished. <laughs> All right. Uh, my last one here. <clears throat> a doctor goes the extra mile to investigate a patient's mental illness after they experience a very traumatic attack. While the patient ignores the doctor's recommendations, goes off to sleep with one of the nurses, uh, talk to his hallucinations, and ends up murdering several people. Hooray. No one can see that, but I'm slow clapping. Oh, is that a reference to Citizen Kane? <laughs> no, because that would be an aggressive slow clap. I see. You gotta do this. I see. Classic. All right, Mark, you got one more? Oh, I mean, you said you did. I do, but I thought... I, did, I, I didn't know one. it was my turn again already. Sarah's out, and I only had two, so you're going to end the game right Woo. here. Two young Americans set off across Europe on an adventure full of manly endeavors sure to put some hair on their chests. Oh, I hate it. I hate it, but it's not as bad as a, a howl of a night on the town. <laughs> That's why that one was last. <laughs> All right, so... We have we have overrun time 
it, forever. Uh, so let's move hurriedly uh, to our review scale. Our first review is, of course, our potato scale, our infamous potato scale, uh, where we can tell you the emotional states you'll feel through the film uh, in terms of our relationships with potatoes. So... I'm stalling while I look up this sheet, which I never prepare. So if anybody has a potato, they are welcome to share with the group. Well, so we have on the list raw potatoes, which means bland. Um, I I almost want to put it in the uh, boxed potatoes, but... I don't, I think I went with a raw potato skins because I think there were a few scenes that were good and it has the special effects that we talked about, which, which, and because, which we'll get into in the number scale as well, but because this kind of launched that horror comedy genre and it wasn't up to our standard, well, you, Carl and I standards, uh, <laughs> Sarah has much lower standards. So, We've established so <laughs> because it wasn't really up to up to what we were expecting. <laughs> but I think I think it gives it a little bit of a boost just because it was kind of something that launched this whole genre and got other people started on it to, to improve on it. All right, so uh, normally we review children's films or films we saw yeah, as children. Yeah, because there was some uh, so ones like, I was considering a lot and they of just these, don't apply. A lot of these don't apply. For instance, uh, we have Vodka, which is just for adults. <laughs> and this film is certainly just for adults, but it was originally released for adults. I mean, it's rated R. Right. Um, so... The other one I was considering doesn't quite fit because this is just a a darker film. I was considering Black Potato, but Troubling Issues doesn't quite meet what I feel about it. I guess the closest to what I feel is Blue Potatoes, which is a real adult downer because there are some very tragic moments in this film. Um, And I will also interpret that as being... Uh, you know what? I'll take raw potato as well. It is it is a bland adult downer. Yeah, I think I might just give it those two because there's definitely bland moments. There's definitely really tragic, depressing moments. And I want to find one to, uh, I will say, maybe a potato casserole where there's layers uh, because it tries, it tries, and some of the... <laughs> tries, and obviously somebody some, will enjoy it because Sarah some does. Some of the humor holds up. I don't think David, maybe he's not meant to be a funny character, fine, whatever. They try to make a horror comedy. There's layers in that. I don't think it meshes well. So I'll say the layers are distinct and non-touching like a potato casserole. So, you guys are going to hate me. Yeah. Are you going to get a fucking five, guys? <laughs> I am. I'm going to take that curse out because we're not supposed to curse on this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it a five, guys. I had a conversation with another friend who may get mentioned on this podcast at a later time because he's supposed to start a podcast at one point hey, that cool. I'm supposed to guest on at some point, which is about horror movies. Hey. And so, we talked about this for... He's a horror movie aficionado. And so we talked about this for like 20 half minutes, half an hour. They like both That's love all? it. Like we just talked about all of the stuff we love for like 
ever. I love I love this movie. Unironically, it, it wasn't like, and trust me, there's a lot of horror movies that I like because they're terrible. I can tell you about them. Maybe I'll make us watch one at some point. Um, <laughs> I think I have made us watch one at some point. I would consider Return to Oz. Well, no, Mark are, made us watch yeah, that Yeah, I one. did that. Yeah, that's... That, that movie! Yeah. You cannot tell me that Pumpkinhead is not a horror. <laughs> He's not a horror character. Are you sure? I mean, the rock monster is the evil person in that film. But I please continue. He's the gnome king. He's the gnome king. <laughs> I just think that movie is to scare children. Anyway, but the point is, I not even ironically, I think this is a good movie. I think it's a really good. I enjoyed it. Envy minute of it. I liked it. I'm giving it a five, guys. All right, there it is. Well. All right, so let's move on to our second review scale, which is a rewatchability scale, a scale from zero to ten, telling our audience, should they go back and watch this film? <sighs> so... I'm going to start us off here. I have expressed my disappointments in this film, having watched it, but I understand why this film is the milestone that it is, and it really opening the door to the horror comedy genre. I also think the effects in this film are amazing. The Academy Award that it won is rightfully deserved. Um, Sarah, are you okay? You look like thought, you're cracking up. I thought I was going to sneeze, but I'm okay now. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so, and there are definitely really interesting moments in this film, and they add to the, um, the werewolf genre, adding things like the, the ghost being able to talk to the werewolf. That's really interesting and explains why, like, werewolves are driven mad, just not by the moon, but just living in society. But I think it was too early in this genre for them to have figured out the balance between comedy and horror. I don't really like the main guy. I think another actor could have done a better job. And so I'm kind of lukewarm on this film. I don't think it's as low as a five, because five is just kind of... It's good, it's bad in equal measure. I will say this film is maybe a six for me. Slightly, the good slightly outweighs the bad in this film. Or for Sarah, a five is the regret of Man of the House. <laughs> you need to fix that. We <laughs> talked about this. Well, so here... We talked about it at the time. Marco. I, my dilemma is all the reasons you said... Because of the time period that it's from, I mean, the special effects were really good. Um, some of them may not hold up great today, but a lot of them still do. And because of how it started off, well, I don't know if it completely started the genre, but at least it was in the beginning of this genre and <laughs> and didn't have the formula quite ironed out yet. So it... <sighs> It has its good points, but it also has its bad points, so I was right in the middle, and I'm looking through some of my other scores, and I'm like, I feel like I liked that movie better, but I want to rate this one higher than that, even though I didn't like the this movie as much overall. So I'm kind of conflicted, but because of that, I was just going to give it a solid five middle of the road. I think, as you can tell from this, you may be... On one end of the spectrum or the other, because Sarah really loves it, and Carl and Mark were disappointed. 
So you may really like it, you may not like it, so it's just kind of a middle-of-the-road thing. But again, the special effects are kind of where it shines. I don't know, I didn't get much out of the main actor <laughs> either, so... <laughs> Alright, Sarah, go I ahead and... I don't think I need to say anything let, more. Let me remind you, you have to stay at a 10, the 10 <laughs> is the max. Go ahead. Well, I, no, I leave my 10s for Muppets. All right, fair enough. Muppets get my 10. I thought they got 11. Well, there's a there's a Muppet in this film. Well, I mean, yes, technically. Um, I tend to keep my 10s for, I don't know. I I really love this movie. Um, it's obviously not the scariest thing, but if you like really campy sort of horror movies, that sort of thing, like it's not super campy. It's obviously not. But if like that sort of kind of mid-80s horror is your thing, I think it's great. Um... I mean, I've watched a lot of horror movies. I've been forced to watch a lot of horror movies. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give it, I think, I'm between a nine and a nine and a half. I'm really bad at my scale because my scale's very far off. Yeah, my scale has a problem. I think I'm going to give it a nine because I leave my tens for the Muppets. You leave your twelves for the Muppets. I leave my twelves for the Muppets. But no, I think... There's a certain type of horror fan that just likes really terrible, disturbing things and heads flying and dead people talking and endings where it's just terrible and it ends in a goofy song and they're going to be with me. And I don't know. I liked it. So I will say I I gave it a six. I'm sticking with a six. But I get this not how you interpreted the movie. But if our audience is looking for a good, bad film... I would rate this as maybe an eight because I think it fits that category better than uh, just going to watch a movie, uh, a regular movie and enjoying yourself. But I think the majority of people who like this aren't seeing it as a good, they're not putting it in with Troll 2 or things like that. They just see it as a good movie. I understand. I'm saying that's how I interpreted the film. Yeah. But I don't think recommending it to our audience as a good, bad movie, they're not going to see it as that necessarily. Well, I think that's how me and Mark saw it. So they might. Yes. I don't know. But Mark also doesn't like Hercules. So I don't know if I <laughs> yeah, trust Yeah, I can't trust Mark then. Gosh. Uh, God, why'd you have to bring up Hercules? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad movie. Uh, he, he's ruined. His God, now I can't trust trusted. his opinion on anything. All right. So let's I mean, go we on. can just let you two argue about it for a while more. It's not like we've gone over time we on this podcast. On that one. We don't argue when you're not here, Mark. If Mark uh, wasn't here, you might have liked this movie. I doubt it, but we'll see. All right. Anyway, uh, Sarah, can you tell our audience where to find us online if they choose to do so? No, because I lost. My <laughs> Great. <laughs> you had one job. I know. Um, we are at. Facebook at Retrograding. Is it just Retrograding? No, Retrograding Podcast, right? Yes, I think so. <laughs> no, it's just Retrograding. That's right. <laughs> and then we, you can find each other at Retrograding Party Line at Facebook. And our website is Retrograding.Fireside.FM. And our music is done by Dominic Barnes. Who continues to still be great. Right. I remembered that one off the top of my head. <laughs> 
Uh, so we're going to move on to our final segment, which is, guys, I learned something today. Something I took away from this film that is our it audience... Is that you have lovely sheep? I mean, that could be your lesson, for <laughs> sure. Uh, that our audience can mull over in the coming month until our next episode is released. And what I took away from this is if you're... Huh, let's see, if you're streaking through a zoo, just leave the children alone. Don't involve them. All right, I think... I think we could all take something from that. Anyway, that's going to conclude this episode of Retrograding. We will catch you guys next time. werewolf in london as our pick and so that'll be i don't know i don't have anything to follow that up um <laughs> good uh, job yeah thanks i'm maybe just winging it uh so all right let's have lovely sheep let's go on to games <laughs> Is that going to be the outtake for this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It's not food. <laughs> it's not food. I have a problem. Oh no, is that alcoholism? The cause of and solution to... I don't know. I named the first problem I could think of. Ooh, is it kleptomania? Uh, sometimes. Oh, like, uh, Raynona Ryder. Ooh. I don't know is why I said cl- that so weird like I didn't have to. <laughs> she, it's Raina like Waiwa. That's not like Jonathan Ross. It's not uh, almost like Borat. That's uh, like that's like Wawa Wiwa. Thank you for understanding that reference, Mark. Hey, I oh, know I, things. I'm familiar with Jonathan Ross on several panel shows and Penn and Teller fool us. Tell- Jonathan who's, Ross was on who's a Penn and Teller Penn and Teller. That's what you said. Uh, well, this was a series where um, Penn was playing basketball outside after school, uh. and a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in his neighborhood. To make a long story short, his mom got scared and moved him out to a little country named Teller. I haven't bought Goose Game yet. Cuckoo. The. The cuckoo. I feel. He's still having a problem. Uh huh. I have... So what's, uh, what problem do you have? I forgot to ask. It's not alcoholism or kleptomania like wah 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 wah. Oh, I, Is it listomania? I have zero taglines is the problem.